Welcome to episode 50. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. There you'll find links to all the social media pages, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure you give us a follow on Instagram because I always post a lot of cool like old flyers and you'll find all the upcoming episodes on there, obviously. Uh, in January, there's going to be like seven new episodes. Uh, we're working on guests now, so just check the website and the Instagram for all that. Uh, recently launched a Patreon. There'll be uh, like incentives and whatnot for higher tier people starting in January or February. But for now, if you want to just drop a little bit in there to help with the podcast with upcoming costs, because we're trying to do some upgrades to get some uh, live podcast uh, pandemic willing uh, next year. And uh, another thing that should be happening pretty soon is we're going to be doing some merchandise for the podcast. Uh, there'll be some t-shirts and whatnot. So just keep your eyes open on the Instagram and the dot com for that. Uh, within a week or so of this episode dropping, there's going to be a pretty cool New Year's Eve show at the Bug Jar. My buddy Jared's putting it on. Uh, make sure you check that out. Leaking Head, Last Gasp, Gel, Exhibition, Smash and Grab, Only Shallow, and Pick Number Three, My Lord. They're all playing at the Bug Jar on New Year's Eve. Uh, looks like it's at 8 p.m., 15 bucks. Uh, so make sure you check that one out. So, uh, yeah, here we go, episode 50. Uh, I feel like my buddy Jim and I have been talking about this for probably over a year at this point. I don't think at first we, we had been talking about doing it for episode 50. I think we kind of just, you know, uh, talked together about maybe doing some top breakdowns at some point. I I'm, I'm think at first we were probably talking about 10 or 20 and then my genius idea was that, well, episode 50, let's do 50 of them. So uh, we came up with that, and we're going to talk about that real soon. But uh, I'm going to bring Jim on now. So how's everything going for you tonight, Jim? Pretty good, man. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. Thanks for pulling this together. Uh, but yeah, I know it, it's surprisingly been a lot of work, a lot more work than I anticipated. But uh, it's been a fun journey to get to this point, um, to listen to all this fucking great music uh that people put out over the last 40 years or so um and uh so i'm a teacher so i'm on winter break so it's it's uh it's great to be on break man i hear that i have pretty much been on break because i only work a couple days a week now with uh taking care of the kids at home but i guess that's kind of like a full-time job in and of itself but obviously uh, well worth it um so i guess before we get into top 50 breakdowns i kind of want to you know, give a little background on the episode. So obviously this is top 50 breakdowns that Jim and I came up with. It's not like top 50 all time. I mean, I guess to us it kind of is, but it's debatable with everybody, obviously. It's also not top 50 hardest breakdowns. It's just, you know, 50 tracks that we kind of put together and decided like to us, this is our top 50. And like Jim was saying, that's one thing that I kind of started to realize uh, while prepping for this episode over the last few months is, it's been a lot of fun going back and listening to a lot of this old shit. Uh, there was a lot of tracks that I forgot about and I'm, I'm sure the same for you, right, Jim? Yeah, it, it, it was funny when we, well, at least for me, um, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll like start to build a playlist on, on my Spotify account. And I was like, ah, shit. You know, I just, I don't want to leave anybody out. And, and I was, uh, so I started with a couple uh you know that i like and i know i know like we agree upon and then it was like well shit. W what made it easier for me was i was like oh well some of these are like intros you know <laughs> so we can like stash them away there and kind of rule that out so that started it for me 
Um, and then it was wild. Like, I don't know, man, three, four months ago, it felt like the snowball just started down the hill when you, you and I just started sharing it back and forth. And then like all of a sudden, it was just like this explosion of, of songs and bands. Yeah. A lot of them that I hadn't thought about in years, um, bands who, um, I'd li- you know, like there's maybe like two, three, four tracks that I know of because it's off of a comp or a split or something like that. And I never like knew the full depth of their album or their work and or like I just need to re-listen to, you know, shit that I had never really fully investigated. And, and you know, you just for me, it was like a, a greater appreciation of of the genre, however you want to phrase it. Um all together you just you just listen to a lot of these songs and especially a lot of the bands and a lot of the early bands from the 80s who who blazed this path they're like man the musicianship the creativity how they did all this stuff was uh you know it just it yeah like i said the the journey's been like uh absolutely amazing i i can't uh I just kind of like fell in love with hardcore even, you know, again, over again, deeper, however you want to phrase it. It's been, been special. Thanks. Yeah. I feel the same way. And, and it's, it's funny cause I've been working on the top 10 uh, records for 2021 and it's very similar there, like falling back in love with a lot of stuff. Cause there's a lot of new stuff. Uh, we'll be posting a top 10 with the episode for, for Jim and I and a few other people that have been contributors to the podcast. But yeah, it's, it's been a lot of stuff that, just kind of reinvigorated me because a lot of the stuff that's on my top 10 list, it's like a lot of like, like classic hardcore sounds, you know what I'm saying? Like early eighties, like just fast, like hardcore, which has been pretty cool to see more bands doing that stuff again. And I do want to mention that with you having done that Spotify, uh, we'll make sure to link that playlist uh, somewhere with the episode so that people can check it out. And, you know, if, if people think we missed tracks, obviously we'd love to add more because there's already, I don't know how many now, but there's over a hundred. I mean, I know there's, I know there's at least one or two tracks on our top 50 that aren't on Spotify too. Um, but yeah, that, that, that playlist is pretty sick. And if you want to like lift weights or, you know, get a construction job or do something really hard, uh, put that on and, and you'll definitely enjoy it. So now there might be some glaring omissions to the top 50. Um, I think that if you sit down and think about it, there's probably pretty obvious reasons why we didn't include those bands and, if you're not sure, you know, maybe ask me, maybe I'll tell you, maybe I won't. Now, there are some honorable mentions, though. A few of these, a few bands and tracks were bands that I think either Labatt's and I, uh, I, and again, I always call Jim Labatt's from the old days. So if I keep calling him that throughout the episode, you know, that's, that's Jim. But anyways, uh, a few of these bands were bands that I figured uh, Jim might not have been as into that, that I'm into. So I'm going to name those two bands first. Uh, Catharsis and Shai Halud have some breakdowns that, you know, I love, uh, Catharsis specifically has the song Choose Your Heaven. Um, but both those bands have some pretty sick breakdowns. Um, now, there's a couple of local bands that, I, you know, I felt kind of biased including them. So uh, Bad Business, Borrowed Time, uh, Dawn of War, a couple other ones. But those were bands that I might have considered if I didn't feel as biased. And then there's a couple more bands from like the early 2000s that I know Jim and I probably would have put them on the top 50 if we hadn't done such a deep dive on some of these other bands uh final word that whole ep pretty much i would make you know a case for uh carry on uh has a few songs uh definitely off my chest um american nightmare has a few songs too 
Uh, before I list any more off of the, my honorable mentions, you got anything you want to say about any of those ones, Jim? We had, uh, I was happy to be a part around for some of those shows. Um, Bad Business, what a great band. Um, Sean, Dan, and that group, they were, they were great. Donald War um, <clears throat> is uh, connected to one of my top 50 breakdowns. Uh, as a cover that they did, but like their their own stuff was 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 awesome, um, you know. And they just continued to grow. Also, check out Dean's episode. Oh, um, that's just just put that on. And and if and if anybody from Rochester needs to tell anybody else what a Rochester sound what what a Rochester accent sounds like. Put that episode on them. Let Dean roll for a couple minutes, and uh, and they'll have a pretty good ear for it. But um, on the bigger bands connected with that, uh, Carry On, American Nightmare. I mean, just just heavyweights for our time. And they'll they'll have their due, and I and I hope generations uh, that are like ours and younger um, get the full appreciation of those bands. I don't know. I haven't seen. I know, you know, American Nightmare has continued on and, and reunionized in, in various points. I don't know that I've seen too much footage where that, I mean, quick caveat, like Sonny and Hate 5-6, holy shit. Um, what a gem, what a jewel, uh, an absolute treasure. He and that collective that put shit together. Um, I'm going to send them the recording that I have of death threat and, and terror set from the show that you booked in 2002, that's terror's first Rochester show. Um, just, just feather in your cap, Josh. But yeah, in terms of carry on, I don't know if, um, I, I hope they kind of get their due. They might be one of those kind of like lost bands from the eighties and nineties for, for us, you know, that, that need to be re, uh, rediscovered kind of thing. But final word, um, whoo. That track came out in what, 03? Um, and then they put that EP out in 04. And, and they played that New Year's Day that, that you and I were at and um, heavily hung over. But it was, um, I, I think you slept through every band before that set. And rightfully so. Um, I'll also say the promise covered Killing Time. Um, shit, what song is it? And it's not, it's not backtrack. But tell-tale. Uh, that's telltale. That's it. Um, that's probably my one and only stage dive. I, I, I went nuts for that one. Uh, but final word set, um, Alex Byrne, shout out to uh, my cousin. Apparently he's my big brother. Um, he and I, what a great road trip. Uh, what, a, what a road trip, dude. He and I went up to see them in Toronto um in 2009 or so final word that is and they just played a hell of a set um i wish we could link in their their intro that's on youtube for one of their older shows um but yeah hell of a band there and uh i'll, I'll stop in terms of honorable mention from kind of our our era or so There'll be a few more honorable mentions, but I want to patch up a couple things you were talking about just now and before. Uh, the, the Dean episode he's referencing is uh, Paul and Dean from the Wheat We Carry, episode 31. Uh, definitely go back and check that out. Uh, Dean had a hell of a time on that episode that night. And, and Jim's mentioned intros a couple times, probably around episode 100, if I start dropping these as fast as I think I am. We're going to do, I, I don't know if we'll do top 100 intros. If we do, we're not going to rank them all. 
but we're going to do top intros at some point too. We've, we've already talked about that. And if you see some songs that didn't make top breakdowns, that might be why there are a few tracks that my criteria in the beginning was kind of like, I don't want to put a song where the, the intro is a breakdown. So that doesn't happen too often on here. It, it is on one of our top breakdowns, I think, but other than that, you know, so yeah, there's a couple more honorable mentions. Uh, I want to stick with the Syracuse theme. Uh, Earth Crisis and Another Victim probably should have had songs on here. Another Victim, I know it was definitely really close because they got a couple of breakdowns that I love. Um, another band from the early 2000s that I really couldn't think of like too many breakdowns. I could think of one or two, but they're one of my favorite bands, uh, Bane. And I don't really think they're going to make the, the intros either off the top of my head, but they definitely have some a, a ridiculous catalog. Now there's a couple... Uh, New York bands that aren't on the list. Uh, well, but yeah, New York uh, for, the, for the first one, definitely sick of it all. They're not going to make it on here. We could probably have found some of their songs, but for me, they're, they're more of just a band that I think of like fucking singing along and, and circle pitting too. You know, I don't, I don't really, and stage diving. I don't really think as much about, uh, you know, mosh parts for them. I'm sure, I'm sure if, if Jim and I thought of it, we could definitely come up with some though, but they're definitely going to make the top intros list. And then uh, Project X, that, that whole EP is pretty moshable, but the one song that I had on there that I would have put in the top 50, it, it kind of met the criteria I was talking about before where the breakdown is kind of like a part of the intro and you know it just didn't really seem like a breakdown to me. Uh, anything to say about that, Jim, before I mention the two current bands that didn't make it? Um, I don't know, the two, next two current bands, but yeah, like Bane is to say like it's not that people didn't go off for them um and, and mosh yeah, what in, in a variety of different moves but yeah just didn't kind of like some of those things weren't weren't iconic um i mean if you came up with like a top 50 sort of pylon sing-alongs they'd have you know fucking double handfuls of of uh songs up there um so yeah sick of it all i mean you you had posted a couple of days ago maybe a week or so that you and i made that run of their shows in uh, across upstate and um it is fucking great you know and it's not like you and i just sat in the back of the bar being like oh it's sick of it all great you know we we were up there doing shit because that they're that kind of band and yeah they're definitely going to make the intro list um if you're sleeping on what song's going to be the intro um wake up um, I would say too, we, we had considered, um, speaking of, uh, Massachusetts, that the hope conspiracy, uh, you had posted that flyer, just heavy band from its time. I was trying to figure out one of the concussions I've suffered in my life. And I'm pretty sure it was hope conspiracy at lost horizon in Syracuse. I got clocked in the, in the jaw, right? Like the hinge over here. And uh, I remember being quite dazed and I was like, fuck yeah, this is uh, what a great band, super heavy. Um, and then they got, they just kind of got faster, but um, that, that's what I'd say out of those, out of that sort of um, criteria, you know, um, it was uh, for me. And I think we, we overlap on a lot of things was like the era that the music came out in the band's legacy in terms of like their contribution to the hardcore and, and punk rock music, underground music, the music itself, you know, the kind of riff that they came up with its creativity, its uniqueness, did it like sort of 
set a stage and and you know more importantly i was just reading a, a an interview with uh a, a somebody from outburst about like how the crowd reacted to this stuff you know and that that's probably what we'll get to with some of these things in terms of like older songs that fans in in our wheelhouse covered that um that people went off to and um that that's that's really the make or break of a breakdown is 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 the crowd's response you know and this kind of music is is definitely like a, a mass appeal people it's a live feel and um and if you got the goods you got the goods there's just no other way around it yeah that that run of sick of it all shows we went to was a lot of fun uh buffalo rochester and albany and that albany show um pretty much that whole albany show that that we went to that night bands from this top 50 breakdowns play that night uh there's a few current bands that I just kind of think we should sit on these tracks for a little bit longer. I know we're, we'll revisit this eventually, but for now, I think we would definitely both find songs from God's Hate and Section Hate that we would put in our uh, top 50. Uh, spoiler alert, that's my top two albums for the year, too. Um, it's basically 1A and 1B. I think I've said that before. I, I definitely have God's Hate ranked one, but I, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's not much of a difference to me there. But anything to say about the current stuff? Yeah, like you, you got me started on like finding this new shit um, last year, 2019 or so. You shared me one of your like new stuff uh, playlists. And I mean, I had seen, I mean, you had shared Section Hate, I think, um, when they came with their Winter Games or whatever that was a couple of years ago. But like, yeah, I mean, I don't like to promote. Uh, various things like a like a spotify i don't know if they've got like nefarious corporate politics or you know they exploit the shit other people like amazon using fucking neo-nazis as security guards or whatever but um it, you know it's 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 a remarkable tool and um yeah i i've just come up like the the playlist that you put together like one of those bands that sticks out in terms of like section hate god's hate or excuse me section hate God's hate and then um, division of mind, like, yeah, there's there's bands over even just like the last three years, four years, who are like heavy, hard, fast. They get it in terms of like tradition, songwriting, style, etc. And and it, it it's remarkable. Um, there was I can't remember what I I sent to to Butson just a couple of days ago, or he he texted me or something like that. It was just like this kind of like same wavelength kind of thing he sent me uh, and i told him i was looking up like the new top 10. i think it was when i uh, oh, spoiler i'll get into my one of my top tens and that is um bruce from hundred demons and his, his eyes of the lord band and i i, I you know i text like as soon as i got done texting you i i, I messaged butts and i go like yo did you know bruce from hundred demons has got a new band what the fuck? And he's like, no, this and then. It, but his ultimate takeaway is like, I feel like hardcore's got a lot of good bands again. And I said, yeah, that's my takeaway. That's like, that's like my, my that's my number 10 for my top 10 is like, there's a diversity of bands across styles and genres, et cetera, and like influences, but it's all fucking good. And and I don't know, man, I, I know there was, a, there was a point where life intervened and I wasn't listening to everything all the time, um, but um, 
it's uh, I'm, I'm glad to be paying attention now. That's for sure. Yeah, this seems like it's one of the best places hardcore has been in a while. I'm a little nervous to see what happens with this next wave of COVID, especially we're recording this right before Christmas. And I have the sneaking suspicion a lot of stuff's going to shut down in January. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I, I, I've seen what's happened in other countries, and I'm, I'm just kind of guessing that might happen here. Um, hopefully I'm wrong. But, yeah, I think hardcore is one of the best places it's been in a long time. And, and like you were saying, the diversity is insane. Um, that the band, I mean, they're not really hardcore, but I mentioned them before. My real number one for the year is this band, Koyo. It's not a full length, but their EP, uh, anytime I listen to it, that record just stuck in my head for days on end. I hope to catch those guys next year live. So I think we're going to get into the top 50 breakdowns uh, without further ado. Um, like I said before, this is uh, a list that Jim and I compiled. I mean, we did get a little bit of outside help. I asked, um, you know, shout out to Tony Barnello, Nate Golia, Alex Byrne, uh, Greg and Donnie from One Up. A few, other, a few other friends gave suggestions. I know a lot of those tracks might not be on the, the top 50. A few of them are. Um, and actually, one more thing I do want to say that you were kind of talking about before. Well, maybe you weren't, but I think something you, you said made me think of it is that like the, the no you did mention it because like the the way the riffs are like more complex and, and diverse and stuff like that when we were compiling this list i don't think i've mentioned this to you yet but there were some bands that like a lot of their breakdowns sound the same so i wasn't about to put like six of the same breakdown from the same band on here even though we could have like there are some bands that you'll see on here more than once a few of them might be in the top 10 twice um but there was a few bands that i was just like you know if if their breakdowns sound that much alike, then I think maybe we won't put as many of them on there. And now one thing you'll notice on here is there's not as many foreign bands as we probably would have liked. There's a few on the playlist, but I think only two actual bands that aren't from the U.S. are on this list. You know, I, I, I definitely have a fond admiration for European hardcore, but I just off the top of my head couldn't think of too many other breakdowns. I'm sure bands like Born From Pain, Knuckle Dust, uh, Stamp and Ground, I'm sure if we sat down and thought about it, we could have put some of their tracks in there too. Uh, and, and more recent bands like Broken Teeth, too, obviously. One thing you will notice on this list is a ton of New York hardcore, especially as we get more towards the top. I don't know, again, if, if we're biased because of the, the fact that we grew up around, you know, a few hours away from, six hours away from New York City, or it's just, you know, New York hardcore on top. All right, so the way we're going to do this is, like, from, like, 50 to 25, I'm going to kind of read off, like, 10 songs at a time, and then... We'll probably talk about a couple songs from those. And then as we get closer to like a top 20, uh, we'll try to talk about each track separately. Um, so I guess without further ado, I'm going to read off numbers 50 through 40. And then we're going to stop and maybe talk about a couple of the tracks. So first at number 50, we got Cause for Alarm, United Races. Number 49, Cold as Life, Bleeding Heart. Number 48, Marauder, Time Ends. Number 47, Agnostic Front, Toxic Shock. Number 46, Blacklisted, Eye for an Eye. Number 45, Billy Club Sandwich, Sucker Punch. Number 44, Bronx Bull from Blacklisted. Number 43, the song Ramala from Ramala. Number 42, the song Blind Justice from Agnostic Front. Number 41, the song Blistered from Strife. And number 40, Afflicted Past from Hatebreed. So um, we could probably talk about a bunch of these songs a bunch of different ways. Um, 
eye for an eye from blacklisted obviously is is a, a real good one uh that early 2000s era you know I, I i we don't have as many early 2000s songs on here i think as as i initially thought we would but you know as you kind of look through all these tracks sometimes it kind of gets to be a point where you realize that it, it is some of the older stuff um and i kind of want to make mention of the song ramala from ramala too uh, i've actually never seen those guys live i'm not sure if you have i'll turn that over to you when i'm done talking about it but um i remember getting that cd because i used to get all the cds for free because of my fanzine back in the day so i got that cd and i i didn't really know what to expect i definitely wasn't expecting what i heard when i popped it on but i remember popping it on and that song is so fucking hard and that breakdown especially and what's funny is my roommate Petey, who was just at the time my roommate Petey, who was just this kind of like quiet quirky guy who liked he liked some hard bands but not usually stuff like that uh him and I would just drive around and listen to that CD all the time. And he loved that CD. And yeah, the lyrics, you know, I mean, obviously that, that, that touches on a current subject, obviously too. So that's pretty crazy, you know? Um, but I guess some things never change too. So it probably will be relevant in many years to come. Um, and also the song blistered from strife. Initially, I kind of thought that song would be ranked a little bit higher, but as you'll see, we have a lot of other tracks that, you know, are just, we like the breakdowns a little bit more. Um, yeah, for 50, cause, cause for alarm, I, I can't imagine, you know, 82, 83, being present for, for that breakdown. Just, uh, I can't, you know, my notes were like, people probably just went nuts for that. You know, that, that's a, it, it's tough to imagine, you know, like if we were like one or two years old at the time and, and people going off for something like that, uh 49 cold as life I, I think to his credit um jeff g the guitarist and, and and vocalist for like the the newer iteration of of cold as life has has been on a lot of podcasts and i think that's just like reflects an interest in that band's like lore and legend um but it's also you know like there's they're an interesting band um, for a variety of different reasons, Be, like musically, lyrically, the context. Detroit is kind of a, a, a weird city. It, it's not New York. It's not Chicago. It's not L.A., but it's um, it's a fascinating place. And they, you know, um, like you you look through a, a list of their members and uh, who've played in that band. And there's like three or four guys who are dead. Like that's just that's fucked up, you know, but like they, um, and the lyrics are hard and, and not in a like, Oh, um, you know, in a like a superficial way, it, it always struck me as, as those guys were like as real and raw as the reality of this country can get. And, uh, especially in the, in the, in, in the urban setting. Um, so like kudos to them for getting that out there. And a quick segue into, yeah, <laughs> Ramallah. Um, first of all, like, like long, long live the Palestinian resistance and their struggle for liberation. And they are closer than, than they've ever been. Uh, the Axis resistance uh, in the Middle East between Iran, Iraq, uh, you know, Lebanon, Hezbollah, and, and Palestine, etc., is intense. Um, and they and they've got Israel reeling in that situation. And um, yeah, I, I thought the same as you. It's like a 
sort of a super group, if you will, with like Rob for blood from Blood for Blood and, and Jeff from um, Cold as Life writing those riffs. You know, and, and you know, and then you hear like Jacob from Converge is like guest vocal spot. Like, what what is this gonna be? And it's super heavy. Um, and and like without it being, I don't know, man, it's uh, just fuck what a what a riff you know I, I talked about that that breakdown um but you know i know cold his life brought a bunch of their merch when they came to rochester when ramallah came to rochester and like dave walsh jamie aiden were just like gobbling up this cold his life stuff because when when was cold his life coming through um i know um jeff's band uh hate inc had played buffalo don't ask me what year um, and, and what lineup that was. Um, but that was big. I remember our buddy Jake being super into that. He loved Cold as Life uh, and Hate Inc. And Hate Inc. was a, a, a creative band, heavy, fast, uh, you know, kind of one of those side projects that could only kind of get expressed as a side project. But uh, coming back through that list real quick, uh, we've got Marauder in there. I mean, it, it's fucking Marauder. I'll, I'll quote Dan Butts in, in his uh, cameo on the Hellfest footage from 2002. It's like fucking Marauder. Or maybe his said ringworm. But either way, sentiment stand. Um, Billy Club Sandwich. Um, like, like a mixed Spanish uh, lyrics and vocals uh you know that, that that's what new york hardcore is and that's kind of like one of those special pieces that uh that not, not to say like uniquely new york but certainly um you know um hardcore in general just like be able to do that stuff and like to hear the breakdown in that if you get it on the playlist like that's a that's a tight ass breakdown and you just can't not move to that um ramallah you just just tear the face off of any fucking zionist who gets in your way um yeah strife that's a heavy fucking breakdown and then, then hate breed um afflicted past donald war covered that and a snow covered i think it was brockport like a fucking park lodge or something out there and that was strange enough that was like talk about kismet being like a uh legendary encounter like smith and wesson sean mccarthy and i would be going back and forth on uh, the old rochester message board and um here he and i were the only one who i think moshed moshed for that breakdown that uh, donald war covered and uh it was funny like after their set it was like oh hey uh you know a couple of meatheads couple of knuckle draggers talking about that breakdown but then uh, from there on out, uh, I love Sean McCarthy and he and I went to a lot of great shows and uh, I consider that dude uh, uh, just a, a top-notch dude. So that's my um, 50 through 40. Yeah, Sean McCarthy is definitely a good dude. I'm going to get him on here at some point. I don't know when. Uh, the Donna War thing, you know, actually, I'm going to save this for when I interview Chris. I got a really funny story from when I first became friends with those guys. But now that I think about it, I'm going to save it for when I interview him next year because I'm going to have all those Donna War guys on here at some point. I mean, obviously, that's going to be gold. going to be yeah, gold. That's, that's hilarious. I want to jump back to what you said about Cause for Alarm before I read off the next 10, too, because I got the opportunity to see them in 97. It wasn't quite the same thing, obviously, because it was like, you know, close to 15 years after the fact, if not 15. 
Uh, and they, they did actually have uh, – who did they have on? They had a couple of guys from Arizona uh, uh, in the band with them. Uh, what's that band? Why am I blanking on the name? Where, where the dude knocked out uh, Danzig. Oh, North I was just going to say, Northside Kings. Like, yeah. who else is from Arizona? Pretty yeah. not, it wasn't that dude because I would think it was a singer that did that. But it, the guitar player, who I'm pretty sure played guitar for Northside Kings and possibly even the drummer, uh, were in Cause for Alarm on that tour. And uh, I, I love that, that EP uh, that, that United Races is on. And you're talking about, like, old New York dudes moshing. I don't know what fanzine I read this in, but I remember reading after I saw Cause for Alarm that uh, Keith, the singer, was, like, one of the hardest moshers back in the early 80s. And it was funny because when they played, we actually saw them in Buffalo and Canandaigua on that run. My buddy Jake and I, uh, shout out to Jake, Jake Duvall. Uh, when him and I went to those two shows, they actually ended up staying at Jake's apartment in Rochester after the Buffalo show. So naturally I stayed too. And we were just talking all night about random shit. And uh, the dude, Keith though, I, I think he might be like uh, Krishna or whatever now. And he was just like the most gentle, like nicest guy. And when I read the thing about him moshing hard back in the day afterwards, I was like, it's so crazy, you know what I mean? Uh, and then the fact that those guys would go on to Northside Kings afterwards, if I'm not mistaken, which I don't think I am, is also pretty hilarious. Um, but yeah, no, that 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 cause for alarm shit is, is dope. So yeah, we're going to jump into 39 through 30 now. Uh, 39, we got My World from No Warning. 38, When Things Go Wrong from Outburst. 37, Worthless from Buried Alive. 36, River Runs Red from Life of Agony. 35, Nothing to Me from Terror. 34, Under the Knife from Hatebreed. 33, One Family from Youth of Today. 32, Force Feed from Agnostic Front. 31, Backfire uh, by Side by Side. And then 30, uh, Show You No Mercy from the Chromags. I'm going to turn this over to you for a second, Jim, since you got all the notes. Yeah, 39, No Warning My World. Um, I just all those guys uh two weeks ago they were on tour with uh comeback kid and supported by skull and zulu um spoiler alerts for my top tens for 2021 um on, there's just so much bounce it, it it's almost super simple but i i i don't mean to like minimize its its effectiveness uh being a bass player, I grew up playing trombone and uh, tuba and sousaphone, and that's like the bottom layer of how music goes, uh, being in touch with your rhythm section. And sometimes that's the most like moving shit, you know, whether that's 60s R&B or whatever. So I feel like my, uh, no warnings, my world, you just can't, I, to me, I just, it, it like rings out into the guitar. And then my notes were like, you can't not hear people's feet like slapping the ground going side to side starting to open it up for that uh i absolutely fucking love that love that breakdown um i wasn't in a present state of mind and i don't think they would have played it uh in phoenix two weeks ago when i saw them but um uh definitely uh definitely a hard ass breakdown love that one yeah you know one thing with you talking about that with no warning, and this is kind of more like a retrospect or hindsight type of deal, but like listening to that album and knowing what I know now, like you can tell those guys are musicians. Like when you listen to that album, like sometimes, and like, I'm not a musician myself, but like, I can just kind of hear it when I hear people, I'm not trying to like rag on hardcore bands, but like sometimes you can hear like some dudes are just playing like hardcore, but other times you can hear that it's like dudes who are actual musicians. And if you look at the catalog 
that some of those dudes have done since, since then and whatnot, you can realize that, you know, they actually, you know, know how to write like real songs and shit. Um, what else, what else you got for your, for, for, uh, your, your notes there for these? Well, I, um, outburst, um, when things go wrong, I mean, I just like, the more you listen to that, that record, it's like the more perfect you could, I, to me, it's like, if you want to capture a sound of like a genre in an era, it, it's that band's release at that time. Like, and I don't know, I don't know how it came across, but the, the dude who runs No Echo um, in, in that, that website, he had a um, like top 10 New York card or like backbeats, he called them. And, and I they're like, not to get, uh, you know, too sort of tangential, but like, you can't like, you can't not set New York hardcore in the context of other musical happenings and transformations. And like the late seventies with what was happening in the development of, of of hip hop and rap and that, and that like just breakthrough could it not trickle down um, to different genres. And, um, and so that idea or what was like the backbeat where um, he's got this great, if so look up like no echo um, top 10, like backbeats and um, the drummer from outburst has one of them. And it's, um, it, so it's on the list, but like between like the guitar, like the production of the guitar sounds, the riffs itself, the, um, the lyrics, et cetera, like those guys just nailed it. And it's, it's like, it's pretty, it's mostly mid tempo. There's some fast parts in that track, but then it's like, it's mid tempo. And then it's like, oh, hey, we're even going to slow that down. But it's not in like a, a beat down, slow it down that, that probably our generation was more accustomed to slowing it down um i don't know man that that band, it was just like more and more every time i listen to that band i just appreciate the shit out of them more and more they're a band that i think we had another song we probably could have put on here but we're saving that for top intros obviously i think anybody who knows outburst knows what song we're talking about um but yeah that's that's uh definitely a solid uh classic band now I think we'd be remiss to make a, a top 50 breakdowns coming from this region and not include a couple uh vocal breakdowns. Obviously, uh, you know, I think a couple more buried alive tracks could have made it, but again, you could say that for a lot of bands. Uh, and I think initially we had some terror songs ranked higher. And again, there's just so many classic uh, songs that they got bumped off, but they're definitely on the playlist. And, you know, again, it's good shit to, to work out and, and do some construction work and, and possibly other, uh, uh, activities. Um, now I also want to say, uh, uh, under the knife. Now, Hapri is one of those bands that I kind of was referencing where a lot of the breakdowns do kind of sound alike. And I think we could have also included some songs from perseverance by them. There's a couple I can think of off the top of my head, but you know, with under the knife, I still remember being at that integrity show in Rochester in 1997 and buying the, the Hapri seven inch. And then I saw them play for the first time, like a month later. And it, it was just hard, you know, like they only had like six or seven songs that they played live at the time, but it, it was hard. And, you know, under the knife, you can tell on there, even just like on the full length, the drumming is, is just, I, I love the drumming on those early hate breed records. I mean, I'm not saying they don't have good drumming now, but, but those first couple of records, I just love it. And, and again, seeing hate breed back then was, 
ridiculous. And, and like I said, I know we could have included probably 10 Hatebreed songs on this, on this list. And I think there's one more coming up ahead, but uh, uh, th- this is one of my favorites though. Yeah. You know, um, when we had talked, cause it was like, all right, let's, it's not necessarily like the hardest breakdowns, but you know, like try, trying as best as we can as like, you know, total fans of this genre of music and, you know, trying to pay, trying to pay homage to, you know, the, the giants on, uh, on whose shoulders we, we stand and, and look out from. Um, it, but there's also, you know, like the breakthroughs that like a, a hate breed represents and, and that EP, holy shit. Um, it's, I like I can't imagine, you know. I it's it's remarkable to know that even like you would have seen them in like '97, and me like seeing like coming around like three just three years later, like in the span of time, that's not much, but a a, a lot can change in a music scene like that. And I remember when when um, something sacred was coming around, and I. Uh, ran into Sean Bailey at one, maybe it was like uh, our first show or something like that. And I don't know, he had asked me about um, if I was listening to Hatebreed, if I was going to that show or something like that. I was like, no, I don't really know them beyond like the, the one track on that victory records, uh, victory style number two. And he's like, Oh, Hatebreed, dude. And I was like, Oh shit. I know I'm missing out on something now, but it's that the reverence that everybody had for them at the time, I just, I just can't, uh, you know, kind of fathom that, but, uh, yeah, they just had to be in, um, the top 50 for sure. Yeah. I, I can totally picture, uh, Sean coming up to you and saying that I actually did, did any of your bands ever, did you ever play with Hatebreed and borrow time or anything? Probably not. Uh, that would have been a true honor. We got to play with some absolute legends, uh, Madball, Terror, Ringworm, uh, Sworn, of en- Sworn Enemy, but uh, never Hatebreed. That would have been dope, but that's okay. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, with the rest of these tracks, you know, one one that sticks out for me is Backfire from Side by Side to uh just a just a fucking dope track and uh a couple bands because we obviously i definitely never i wasn't old enough to see side by side but a couple bands uh covered it uh, i can think of desperate measures offhand and i want to say a couple other bands around that time i don't know if bad business covered it i, I almost want to say maybe they did or, or maybe miles between us but yeah no that that's a that's a really good song and that that early rev catalog too man you know it's it's some good shit and uh I think that's the only side by side on here song on here, but uh, I'm pretty sure Jules makes an appearance uh, a little later on too. So, uh, what say you with all that stuff though, Jim? Yeah, I remember within a handful of months of of us getting to know each other. You know, I got a. You know, you would share your top, like, favorite bands and side by side, and uh, and the J- Jules's other band um we're definitely up there and um that's one you know in in the episode where you interviewed aiden monahan uh i tried to put together uh best as my recollection could muster the 
cassette mixtape he made me of mostly straight edge bands. Uh, it was like straight edge, New York hardcore, et cetera, but side by side. And this track explicitly backfire was on there. And so I was just like, ah, you know, when, when we're like, you know, tossing around bands and breakdowns for, for this list, my brain just said, Hey, wait a minute. Like there's, there's a band that just, you know, it's not like, it's not a beatdown band, which a lot of the shit I like is, is like that. But, uh, you know, like you, you got to put this band up there. So side by side backfire is just a fucking cool band. Like was, you know, like with, within a lot of the fast parts and breakdowns, et cetera, they, they had their own spin on things and Jules vocal style, just fucking unique and cool. Like, I can't imagine that guy live, the kind of presence and, and command he had over people. Um, I, I do want to say Life of Agonies, River Runs Red that we have at 36. Uh, never saw them live, but um, between Aiden, Dan Butson, and people uh, a little bit older than us, and seeing, seeing Butson go off to reach the sky playing in Buffalo. I don't remember what sort of fest that was. That was October of 2002. Um, reach the sky covered river runs red and button went off and not to say that he doesn't mosh all the time, but he doesn't, he, he wouldn't go out there very often, but this is one. It was just like he, like the, the switch flipped and, and he went out there as did a bunch of older guys at that show and the pit opened the fuck up um so that that's definitely a hard one yeah same thing when reach the sky played in syracuse right around that time they, they did it there too and it was the same thing all the old dudes went nuts i i feel like i probably was at that buffalo show you're talking about too it might have been one of rap boys like tough little fest type of deals because i if it was the one american nightmare played too then i think i was there but i could be thinking of something else um you know, we could talk about the Chromag song, but we got them uh, a few other times coming up. So we'll uh, we'll get into them soon, obviously. So we'll jump in. We're just going to do a few at a time until we get to the top 20, and then we'll start doing one song at a time. Uh, I'm going to rattle off uh, like 29 to 25 for now. At 29, we got Victim from District 9. 28 is Judgment Day from Integrity. 27 is Severed from Hatebreed. 26 is Infected from 100 Demons. And uh, 25 is Crush the Demoniac by the Chromags. So I'll start with number 29. Uh, I never saw District 9. I, I highly doubt they played this area at all. And I, I didn't start going to shows in or around New York City until I was much older. I, I, I Actually, I don't really go to New York City that many times at all, come to think of it. But it definitely wasn't until I was older. And I haven't seen any of their reunions. However, that 1994... Uh, well, I don't, it didn't come out in 1994, but it seems like a lot of the stuff was recorded around that era, 94, 95, the the VHS uh, New York hardcore documentary. There's a, a live version of this song on there. And man, every time I hear that, I just want to fucking punch a hole in the wall or something. And it, it's like the most simple breakdown too, you know, like it seems like it anyways, again, I'm not really a musician, but like, it seems pretty standard, but just hearing that, 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 that breakdown, it's, it's hard, man, you know, and the lyrics too, my goodness. Uh, Petey, again, my old roommate might've changed some of them, uh, to reference the backpack that that dude is always wearing in those old videos and shit. Uh, I think he's even wearing the backpack on stage when they played too, which, I mean, that was like a big hip hop thing back then with the backpacks and shit. You know, I mean, I still have a backpack on all the time, but I definitely never like wore one moshing or stage diving or whatever. So what do you got to say about these tracks, especially that one, Jim? 
Yeah, I, I remember that that New York hardcore documentary. Somebody did take the bait in the uh, interview you had several episodes ago uh, in reference to that. That's uh, apparently okay. But no, I if people can get their eyes on that, whew, check that out for sure. Um, and that was one I remember when you first mentioned it. I was like, okay, District Nine. They were just never in my wheelhouse as a band. Um, but when I, I found it here, like it, it like pales in comparison to the documentary The Lifehood, people go nuts for that shit. And it, it's just been in my head so much um, since, since you put it on the list. And to me, what it kind of feels like is like the, I want to say from like maybe 06, maybe at the very earliest but like definitely 07 08 like that genre of hardcore that brought in the like almost crooning style of vocals that is in here where it's like kind of southern rock inspired um vocals where it's not like the hard almost like you just can't figure out what the hell they're saying kind of thing um to me, like that whole, that song is, speaks to the diversity of New York hardcore. It's not the straightforward, it's not AF, it's not war zone, but it like pulls those elements and then it like expands it to be this like cool, creative kind of thing. And it doesn't have to be like the most, it's not obviously hard, but like when they like it's the lyrics it's the context and then it's the setup to that breakdown where it's boom 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 you know it's like i i feel it's um it's stanley talking to michael scott about the jan voicemail it's it's in the pauses man it's it's in the pauses but it, it's really there like it's the less is more um and it's not even to like to get the chug a chug apart but it's like that breakdown just fucking I can see why people just went off the shit for that that breakdown. Um it's super fucking good. Um yeah. I'll go ahead, go ahead. I'll defer to you for integrity all day. Uh spoiler alert, <laughs> I'm not a huge I'm not a huge integrity fan. Uh it may or may not be because of the the show I saw in '97 for my own personal reasons, but um I do recognize that their contribution to hardcore is obviously important and um, they have a lot of sick breakdowns. Um, I almost want to link in the post America episode that uh, Isaac was on though, for people to listen to that for my, 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 my you know, my personal opinion on, on that band. But anyways, uh, what do you, what do you say about that? Yeah. I mean, uh, integrity, a couple of reasons. I, I, I kind of like that. I remember, listening to that victory style too they had the song rise on that and that like that was you know kind of my introduction to them but over the last like five plus years the like me me just listening to like kind of like more metal bands and things like that just kind of appreciation for integrity and that that judgment day riff is just it kind of comes up again like kind of simple but just kind of puts puts a little snarl in what you're doing, and and I know like uh, integrity attracts, uh, especially in upstate New York, um, an interesting set of characters who probably need to be stomped the fuck out, and um, and they were at certain times or at least challenged. And then 
uh yeah it just got like um if you want to you want to do some malicious things whether that is uh lift heavy things or run really fast or knock down walls or something like that it judgment day has one of those riffs i i debated whether that goes like in an intro because it starts the song with it and then it repeats into it but um yeah also my mom's from cleveland so um those you know integrity and ringworm have a special place in my heart for that not that she went to hardcore shows or anything, but uh you know family stuff goes i actually don't mind the city of cleveland honestly um now the next the next two tracks after that it's a coincidence that the last two Connecticut songs I mean unless you want to include like people who are from Connecticut that move to New York City if you want to get technical but the last two Connecticut bands just happen to be back to back like that I, I pretty much said, said a bunch of stuff about Hatebreed before um, 100 Demons is a band that I've always kind of listened to but never really like like you know dive deep into them but I do know there's a few tracks that have some pretty hard breakdowns and and this you know being one of them Another thing I want to mention too is there's also a Hunter Demon song that I really like from back in the day that has uh, Aaron from Death Threat on there. Uh, Death Threat's definitely another band that we probably could have uh, had a song on the top 50, but again, you know, there's just so many, it's hard. And, you know, it's just, it is what it is, but definitely shout out to Death Threat. And uh, Crush the Demoniac, uh, that's a song that I think I told you that was never really in my catalog too much until I saw uh, the JJ version of the Chromax play it live. And that's when I noticed that breakdown. I was like, holy shit. Cause you know, I'm not as big of a fan of the, like the crossover Chromax stuff as, as some people might be. I'm sure if I go back and listen to it now, because like Betty cool record's pretty good and, and, and they're kind of like worshiping like crossover Chromax. So maybe if I go back and listen to it now, I might like it a little more, I guess. But uh, I guess, what are your thoughts on all that, on all those tracks, Jim? Yeah, that <laughs> I don't think it, a line is crossed when like the Cro-Mags enter like best uh excuse me best wishes um and alpha omega but um i don't know that's pick through there um the breakdown on crusted demoniac is s s sketchy about that one he and i love that fucking breakdown it just it just it just drops you know and like falls off the table it's like a fucking curveball and then all of a sudden, and I like, when you told me, like, we agreed on the fact that it was like a hard breakdown and you could probably go off to it. But when you told me there's live footage of them kind of like slowing it down or, and the crowd going nuts to it, it just kind of reaffirmed that, yeah, yeah. Like this is, uh, this is the goods. And I mean that, you know, I, I remember Brendan, um, talking about other bands, um, and their later records, you just kind of have to take them song by song or album by album, whether he's talking about, you know, Killing Time after um, Brightside or, or Leeway, you know, uh, after their first two records. Yeah, I haven't heard those, but whatever. But, um, you know, to me, like those, some of those um, Cro-Mags albums, like Best Wishes and Alpha Omega fall into that category of just like, just listen to them. If you like them, you like them, you know, and, and like, those are the continuation. Not everything's going to be AOQ. And, and if they are, they're, they're just trying to retread something. that's probably not that good. Um, but I, I love that one backing up to Hunter demons. Um, I remember seeing like the, from butts and like, I think he gave me that CD to try and burn. Um, and it was like that the number one with like all you know like the u.s colors on 
what is this? Like, uh, it was weird. It was like, did you put the wrong CD in the case? Because like the CD covers like, you know, like Jesus on like the cross and like this like super metal looking thing. And then this, then the CD press in the middle looked like this. Um, but that, that fucking record, I absolutely, to this day, if, if a week goes by and I haven't played a hundred even, something's wrong. Uh, Bruce's vocals, the lyrics, it's thick. Um, I'll, I'll talk about Eyes of the Lord uh, when we get to I, uh, top 10. Um, that breakdown is just, I mean, it's the setup. It's just like there's a teaser throughout the whole thing. The songs are so well written on that album that everything makes sense. Uh, from fast parts, mid-tempo, the breakdown, they weave all the elements so together, not to get too musical on you, but um and i wanted to come back uh just real quick and then i'll end it on this section terror is nothing to me from their fucking demo i if if i'm wrong somebody tell me but that was the first track they released um on on i think trust kill or whatever hit the internet in like 2001 that was the first one and then they did uh life and death but I remember, you know, being where I was in undergrad and that that record, that uh, that track hit the internet. Fuck. Like vocal vocals, vocals were like, you know, it was like he was singing Buried Alive in a basement. You know, it was like that level of attack, but kind of raw, um, just just all levels of excitement. And that is what they kicked off their set with. Uh, at least at the Rochester show, you booked their first one. I, you know that uh, uh, Nick, their drummer, you know, hit the hit the snare, and then drum, um, the cymbals ring out, and then boom, pop, boom, and then it just dropped in that breakdown. Place it went fucking nuts. You know, it's basically pitch black in that fucking park lodge. Place went nuts, uh, lit it on fire. Uh, what a great fucking breakdown. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy that some of the best shows in Rochester in that era were in lodges too, you know. But um, yeah, so we're gonna jump up to like 24 through 21, and then we're probably gonna take them one by one. Although I'm I'm pretty sure we'll probably talk about most of these songs too. So 24, we got Too Deep Until Now from Chain of Strength. 23, we got Fall This Time from Madball. 22, we got Ready to Fight from Negative Approach. And 21, we got Fascist Attitudes from Agnostic Front. I want to say right off the bat that tonight we were talking about ready to fight and whether or not you would consider that a breakdown. Um, my consideration of it is that once that, uh, that bass part kicks in for the second time they play it, like you, you go off, you know? So to me, that's a mosh part. It's a breakdown. Uh, what do you have to say about that, Jim? Yeah. Anytime I've seen that song played live, uh and and like knock on fucking wood i got to see negative approach they played down here in tucson uh 2018 i think southwest terror fest with fucking infest <laughs> um just next level um yeah it, it when that song comes on you're you're either moshing or you're singing along and there's just nothing you can do about it um that 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 breakdown fucking rolls yeah, I completely agree. And and that's one of my favorite hardcore bands. And that's definitely one of the best hardcore albums of all or seven inches, whatever the fuck records of all time. Um, but yeah, no, I love, love that song. I saw them live here too. I don't remember what year it was, but it definitely one of the best uh, uh, live sets I've personally seen. Uh, jumping back, I, I would say too deep until now is probably one of the more melodic ones on here. 
there was a couple other songs that were considered by them, but um, I, I really, I really like that breakdown. Um, I will talk more about Mabel in a little bit. I think that's the last song from Agnostic Front, and that's another kind of, kind of like, kind of like what I was saying about Hapri, and kind of like what we were saying about Sick of It All. Like Agnostic Front's got a lot of really good, really good mosh parts, but I don't really think of them as much for moshing. I think of them more for like singing along and stage diving. Uh, they definitely have a lot of good breakdowns though, but kind of like with Hatebreed, a lot of them kind of do sound alike to me. Uh, but they are one of my favorite bands, oddly enough. So I, I don't know, take that for what it's worth. Um, but yeah, like I said, fall this time, Madball. We'll talk more about them later. So uh, what do you have to say about these uh, tracks, though, Jim? Yeah, I, I, I think there's like at least in the top fifty, this is oddly enough, like a band like Chain of Strength hits twenty four. And that's because, like, the strength of that songwriting, the the energy, the music that comes through. Uh, I don't remember where I got it, but um, I, the cassette tape of that album is just just gold, you know, uh, from start to finish. Just really good music. If if you want to, you know, it's kind of one of those. If you want to show somebody like what this music could sound like, what it could feel like, what it could mean. Um, it, you know it, it's that album and that song is definitely like top two or three and yeah i just don't know how you could not move it to that what we figure out what you want to do to it uh like motion wise but it, it's that fucking good um mad balls fall this time i mean i remember todd jones um from terror carry on nails etc was I think it was an interview I was reading, maybe it was a video one or whatever, but he talked about like their songwriting process in nails and that like the importance of, it's not just like, it's not just a riff, but it's, it's your setup to it. It's the lead up. It's like how you arrange things to like preview where things are going to go with it. And like, for me, that's why fall this time for Madball on hold it down hits where it does uh, that far up. It's just, and I, and I think uh, at that point, Holio was writing a lot of those tracks. Um, it just, it, it like checks all those boxes um, to drop how it does. It's just, it's a groove. It's hard. You could do a, a bunch of different moves to it. Uh, but the setup, like, you know, and it's not from, you know, when we were going to going through some of this criteria, it, for me, it was also, it's not just, it's just that the musicians in, in the instrumental sense of it, it's, it's the vocals as well, who are their own instrument and, and fall this time, what, what Freddie does with his lyrics and his vocals, bringing that in. Um, it, it, yeah, that just hits fucking hard right there. Yeah. Those are some of my, those, he's definitely one of my favorite singers. And uh, yeah, like I said, chance strength is probably like the most melodic band on the list, unless, you know, you know gorilla biscuits too, I guess. But um Anything you want to add with uh, Agnostic Front before we start going track by track with the top 20? Oh, yeah. We, uh, AF, I mean, what they've done, really revisiting that stuff for the last couple of days has just been like, what a, what a catalog, what a band. Um, you know, a lot of props are given to certainly Sick of It All and Hate Breed uh, more in our generation. But like for Roger, Vinny Stigma, to to 40 years you know that to be able to bridge all that stuff and maintain that and 
and be groundbreakers at their time, you know, 82, 83, 84, that, that's nuts. Um, to, to try and be a bit of a historian of the, of the music at the time that they're trying to move away from the like late seventies, like fuck it all, you know, like punk rock attitude that was just like glitz and glam and a, a real like um, narcissistic world attitude and worldview, I should say that like, you know, just burn it all down. They didn't care, you know, and, and reading one of Roger's interviews is like, yeah, you know, we like that style and there's, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, but we wanted to feel like we could make a difference. And that's where I feel like hardcore make is like the leap up. And that's not to say that like punk bands don't um, bring in some punk bands can't bring in that ethos, but I, I, it's just like um, as somebody who tries to organize um, in different settings, the people who can like try and find that unifying message to to like yeah there's yeah this is a whole list of like fucked up shit that's out there, but we can do some and we can do something about it and we have to do something about it so let's figure that out and uh, and AF's role in that um, you know with it with its contours um, is it, certainly unparalleled. Yeah, like I said, Agnostic Front's one of my favorite bands. Those those first few records are you know some of my favorite records for sure especially victim and pain i mean i love cause for alarm too one voice is also really good but um anyways i guess we're going to start jumping in track by track with the top 20 here so this is our one and only uh european band uh i think my chest still hurts from getting punched or or whatever the fuck by their singer uh when you actually had the the pleasure of playing with them in 2006 and borrowed time um, I, I, if I'm being honest, I haven't really listened to them as much since then. I do think they're a good band, but when you sent this track over, this is one of the hardest breakdowns on this list, hands down. And, and like, there's a few breakdowns on here that like, when I hear the breakdown, like, especially like district nine too, like, it's like, that's what a breakdown to me should sound like. But right now I'm talking about, uh, forever war from kickback. Um, Again, that breakdown is fucking hard. And like you were telling me, that whole album is hard. So I'm going to turn this over to you and let you kind of talk about Kickback for a little while, Jim. God, yeah. I, I just um, fucking Kickback. I, I got a cassette from Aiden. They had um, their kind of first collection of demo and re-release stuff uh, that was cornered um and other things and on one side and then forever war on the other side and it was like um the 95 release uh was kind of like leeway inspired definitely bouncier and more new york um in that sense and then um forever war was kind of like you know all out war more metallic stuff there she is and then I just, I just couldn't get enough. They, they would just loop through as I was driving into Rochester for something sacred practices. We're going to hang out with the guys, uh, you know, on 490 coming in from, from Farmington. And, um, that, that record just starts, I mean, that fucking band, geez. Um, that record forever war starts with a, um, a clip from apocalypse now. And, just just heavy fast and and like the most pissed off and and there's 
there's something uh, to reference. If you remember in Rocky, I think it's Rocky two, and there Rocky's in the in the meat packing place, and he's beating on some fucking big frozen cow, and um, or maybe it was he was actually in the ring or in the boxing thing, but they're talking about like a snarl and like you know Sylvester Stallone like starts to put a snarl on as he's pounding this thing and that is like a handful of bands for me that that can do that kind of thing and kick back one of them and they they pick they basically in 2006 when they played in Rochester I remember saying when whenever this band because you know it, it felt like when you got to know bands who weren't really active especially fucking European bands like they are they're from France um that they weren't um touring much weren't active back home or all that i i just i just kind of said to myself if these guys ever come to the states i'm gonna follow them around i don't care what the fuck it is and so that spring you put uh uh borrowed time on with donna war i don't remember who else unfortunately but it's a hell hell on earth put out the flyer it's a sick but Roberto came over the sick flyer it's like a gustav deray um artwork in the back it's one of the nastiest flyers i've ever seen um but that like that day that we were supposed to play um i was sick i was like bedridden like i wasn't answering my phone i remember like four o'clock aiden's calling my phone he's just like oh where the fuck are you um i i was just so sick I, I couldn't make it out and then i uh come to the bug jar and i'm like tucked down in one of the uh the booths over there with like my hood over my head i just couldn't move and i was like all right borrow time's last these guys are right in front of us as soon as as soon as kickback starts i'm gonna go out there and uh you know like i hear them and they're tuning up and whatever they go out there and um you know, I'm over there, <laughs> and then they they open up with one of their tracks from their uh, their third third recording. But at a certain point, um, Stefan, their their singer, like holds up. Um, I think it was the city or whatever, like the local newspaper is. It's not the Democrat and Chronicles, but the other one. He's just like murder capital of the world, and you know, Rochester, like Detroit, has this weird statistical category of being a violent ass city you know it, it's it's unfortunate and and it, it's popped its head up it, and i i try and follow uh between what you post and and what news comes out of uh, a city but you know per capita it's a violent ass city you know I, I remember the various times we'd come out of the sticks and come into the city um you know how my parents would react and i very much felt like it was we were going to new york city um but anyways, he dropped, you know, he dropped, like, dropped this paper, like, fuck you, like, do something about it. And, uh, and just place just, you know, it's just like, you got to respond to something like that. That breakdown, like that, 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 that song, that record, check them out. I fucking love kickback. Yeah, you know, it is unfortunate about the murder capital thing. It, it definitely is, is not getting better. And, and it sucks because where we live is very, very close to the epicenter of a lot of the shootings lately. Uh, I feel like I never really looked at it the way I do now. I think it's because I have kids now. Like I, I don't, I don't want to be around it. Like when I was younger, I don't think it. I don't know if it didn't bother me or I just didn't really notice it as much. But now I definitely notice it a lot more. So now, number 19's probably the most. Uh, it's probably the breakdown that would fit best in that Ace Ventura cannibal, cannibal corpse scene. Um, 
DRI thrash hard. I remember I've only seen DRI once and they played at montage and the bouncers were being a bunch of pricks that night. I know that. And I, I said a few things like usual and some people didn't agree with it, but whatever. Um, but I thought this one dude might be a Nazi. So I remember thinking to myself, once, once this breakdown hits, you know, and I just dove off the stage feet first and took him and his buddies out. And I don't know if that dude really was a Nazi. <laughs> Hopefully he was. Um, but I remember when, when we first, my buddy Ben, who I had on, you know, way back when I, when him and I first heard this CD, we would just kind of laugh because we didn't really like it that much, but there was this song. The lyrics are still pretty comical. I mean, you know, drunk and high on weed. I mean, the whole thing, you know, it's hilarious, but, but the fucking breakdown's hard, you know? Um, and DRI is another one. They're one of my favorite bands. I mean, I, I totally forgot until recently when I was going through a bunch of old flyers and shit that I almost put out a DRI tribute seven inch uh, like 20 years ago. And I didn't even remember that up, up, I ended up, uh, I was going to do it as, as a split release with this guy, Richard Ramos. And I found an old letter from him where he had told me that uh carry on wanted to cover this song. I don't know if That's Todd Jones that. and them ever actually like rehearsed this or anything. Like when I, you know, if I ever get him on here, I definitely want to ask him about that. Cause that's something I don't even know if he'd remember, but it, I definitely was floored when I, you know, saw that they were considering doing that. I mean, the bands that I had at the time lined up to do it were more on like the grind uh, thrash uh, side of the spectrum. I remember I got one song by a band from Nova Scotia uh, called Existench. They were like a grindcore band that I saw in Buffalo. And I know I got like three or four other songs. I can't remember for the life of me who, who sent me what, but uh, DRI is definitely one of my favorite bands though. And this, you know, they just happen to have a really hard breakdown in this song. That would have been nuts. Um, yeah, I, my mind has wandered into the what if territory when you told me about Carry On potentially covering that, like Todd Jones, like mastering that riff uh, in a some recorded session would have been fucking crazy. Yeah. So I guess uh, with number 18, we're going to uh, step to the rhythm of the Brooklyn beat, which I also want to mention that that's something that, well, I guess first I'll say, if you don't know the song, it's Biohazard, uh, Hold My Own. Now, I, I mentioned to you before that, like my preference is uh, the recording that's on the Urban Discipline album, mainly because he says step to the rhythm of the Brooklyn beat in that version. And I think the drums sound a little bit better on that recording too. But Biohazard is one of those bands that I got into later in life. I was probably like 27 or 28 when I really started to appreciate them. Like, I feel like I probably had, had fucked with them a little bit on that Judgment Night soundtrack because I was listening to rap uh, when that came out. So I was definitely familiar with a lot of that stuff. But like, I think they were one of those bands where, especially Rochester, because there weren't too many like people here that were into like that kind of stuff back then. So I think they kind of got laughed at more. And I never really like sat down and listened to them. And then when I heard Urban Discipline, though, I was like, yo, this is a fucking ridiculous album. And I don't know if you would really call them a hardcore band or what you would call them, but uh, it's a fucking good breakdown. And I don't know if they'll ever play again with, with the lineup that's on this album with like Evan and Bobby and Billy and, you know, Danny and all those guys, but just a fucking good album. And, and, and if you've never seen that performance on YouTube of them performing it, that, that did not, uh, Dynamo, 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 however the fuck, I don't know why I'm having a, a stuttering fit there, but Dynamo, however the fuck you say that, uh, festival out there in Europe, Bobby just comes out and is, is like spinning around on stage with his guitar for like 30 seconds. 
that they they killed it on that era and uh this song is is perfect yeah i i have to agree um with with all everything you just said because there's the the initial recording of that the the drums just sound a little almost like um programmatic you know like how you would come up with it now that the the whole the recording on urban discipline is that much better um that live they've played it um yeah dynamo however it however it said you're right um like their set mad ball set from from that fest is is nuts um and i also like just kind of want to credit billy from that band and like maintaining his his roots and it's not that you can't produce you know like chase your own dreams like somebody else would have done but um yeah that that band's like ability to grab that stuff and like just have major bounce to what they're doing and and like make it hard that's that's a fucking great track and and terror slash biohazard at, at hellfest uh playing that song is pretty damn good too i've taken on losers like you in my past so why should i stoop to your sorry ass i thought you were my friend but you showed me disgrace i'll slap you with reality across your face fucking mad ball Say what you want to say about the shit that they did at Tompkins Square, blah, blah, blah. I wasn't there, neither were you, so I'm not going to talk about it. But this fucking song and all the other songs that are coming up from them, which actually isn't that many, but my God, those first few albums, there's just, I mean, we could do a top 50 Madball breakdowns. We honestly could. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, that's this this song too. Like, it's, it's, I mean, all their songs, you know what I mean? But, but it's, hard, it's hard to really narrow it down to, to a list like this and I'm, I'm i think when we get to the last one some people might be like oh why'd you guys put that one so high but for me it's a it's another hard breakdown so but i'll, I'll open it up to you on this one i guess yeah man across your face like it just bridges so many different genres um haven't come out like I kind of prefer the dropping many suckers i don't want to be one of those dudes like oh the early demo release but it, it is it like I think like this, the kind of song it is and the style it is, the recording better captures what it is rather than like the set it off version, which is still fucking good and hard as fuck. Um, but yeah, like the the song, the lyrics, it's just so fucking good. When when Borrowed Time um, got to play in Europe for a handful of shows, Cheap Thrills uh our german brothers they covered across his, across your face and anytime i you know they, they were usually after us uh earnedly so um i was like all right wh when's that cover coming up because i'm gonna fucking open shit up for you guys uh or help it because um yeah that sounds so fucking good and and like kudos to you on that the intro to that because the lyrics are just fucking tight this next one, number 16, I remember going down with Dan Bress, who played in Bad Business. Uh, I want to say it was 2001. I went down with him to one of those DC hardcore Super Bowls. I've talked about it on here a few times, like Agnostic Front, uh, Bad Brains, who didn't play that many songs, um, Iron Cross, Shut Down, a bunch of bands played. 
but um, Death Threat played, and I had just bought the Alone in a Crowd 7-inch at Reptilian Records the day before we went to the, maybe that morning, but either way, I had just bought it, and at that show, they covered Who You Know by Alone in a Crowd, and I remember Dan turning to me afterwards and being like, oh, I guess you wish you would have had that 7-inch a little bit earlier, right? And, uh, you know, that fucking breakdown is fucking good. And, and as I'm looking at this list, I, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit on this episode and say that we've gone back and forth on pretty much anything that's not in the top 10 is kind of the, the, the order has gotten reversed quite a bit. And this song, as I'm looking at it, I think it should be ranked a little higher because, you know, it's a fucking hard song, hard lyrics. I remember that terror show that you've referenced a few times on this episode that I booked uh, with death threat at that lodge uh, I've referenced Steve Titus on this podcast quite a few times. Um, anybody who doesn't know him, though, Titus is a really good dude, but he's like a, a weightlifter, so he's a pretty big guy. And uh, he was standing outside during Death Threat set when they played that song. And all of a sudden, once the, once that like before that way before the breakdown kicked in, like I don't know, like ten seconds in, he just fucking plowed through the entire <laughs> fucking show and was just right up front. And it's like you that for that kind of song. You know, it, it makes sense because, again, hard breakdown, hard lyrics. And, and and another thing that's interesting, aside from the reunion, is that this is a band that played one show. You know, like we – I got a copy of that live set from Alex Byrne years ago, and then the video footage was unearthed on YouTube at some point. I mean, I'm sure people had copies of the video before. I, I didn't, but um, just this is the legend of that band, you know, before – you know, they were, they were kind of resurfaced a little bit for that reunion. And even still, it's, it's nice to see bands like that, that have that mystique of only having played one show and they still have this fucking classic seven inch. I mean, because before I throw it over to you, uh, the first song on that seven inch is anybody there. That's definitely one of my favorite hardcore songs. You know, it it might be top 10. I don't know. We'll have to make a top 10 hardcore songs at some point for an episode. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that, this is, this is that that song. It just kind of like bounced around um and uh yeah I'll, I'll pull it back to when i said earlier like getting to know you and getting to know the bands that you really like and records that you really like and that alone in the crowd you you were my gateway into that band um and that yeah fucking death threat death threat covered three songs at that set they covered alone in the crowd who you know they covered operation ivy um and and they covered burn out of time what mainstream like well not a mainstream but like what like you know that level band covers anybody number one number two covers three fucking bands and like i that just i fell for death threat after that it's just like i didn't know a whole lot of their stuff at the time that they played uh a couple of songs but after that it, it was just fucking gold um but yeah um i remember some big dude from buffalo coming rolling through and it was it, for that for that um cover and it was steve titus um yeah, I think if we can sort of posthumously uh, reflect on this pay- playlist, uh, who you know is going to come up from sixteen. Is that is that the recording? Do you have that video of that of them playing at that show? Is that one of the ones you're going to try to send to Sonny? That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, they covered th- those three songs at the lodge that day, and I, I I haven't been able to see it in who knows how many years, but uh, 
if the recording uh, holds their whole set, uh, it's got it for sure. I haven't seen any videos of that show ever. And I guarantee you Steve Titus running through the entire show to get up front for that is definitely going to be in that video. Um, I also want to mention, you mentioned uh, they covered burn at that show, that song out of time. Uh, that's like right, right on the cusp of top 50 for us. Like it, it, it just missed it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure in a, in another life, it might've made the top 50 breakdowns and, you know, maybe on like episode 500, we'll revisit this or maybe even next week if we get enough hate mail. Um, so the next track, um, another one of my favorite bands. And, and, and I don't think I, I think I mentioned in the beginning that there's a lot of New York city stuff on here. If I'm looking at this right out of these next 15 songs, I think only uh, one band uh, never lived in New York City. I think all the other bands were either from New York or moved there later. Um, so number 15 is uh, New Direction from Gorilla Biscuits. Now, I've gotten the pleasure of seeing them live twice uh, in 2006 and 2011. And it definitely was like uh, top of my list of best uh, like hardcore bands I've ever seen. And I'm sure I'm sure we probably should have put some more Gorilla Biscuit songs on here, but this this song definitely uh, should be ranked pretty high for me, and it is. Uh, but there is a couple other Gorilla Biscuit songs that I'm thinking about that you know I should have uh, suggested we put on here too. But um, at least uh, the the first song off their phenomenal LP made it on here. Uh, New Direction. I'm trying to think, uh, I had been given the earlier Gorilla. Biscuits. I didn't really know that song until Most Precious Blood covered it at a show that you put on, and the um, place just went nuts. And having seen that band uh, and them cover that song, and then uh, you know, obviously getting to know Gorilla Biscuits um, from then on out, just it just speaks to what that that song, what that riff really is. Uh, how important that band is to people in our scene, and uh, yeah, it just deserves um, deserves a place in the top top twenty for sure. Yeah, I I, I, I could probably say it about about all the next uh, tracks for all the bands, but Gorilla Biscuits is definitely one of my favorite bands, and I, I mean I, I don't know who my favorite live band is, but they're definitely they're definitely up there. Um, so number fourteen. I'm not going to go too in-depth with this song because these guys are actually going to be on here again, spoiler alert. But uh, number 14 is Kickback from uh, Breakdown. And, uh, I mean, of course, a band named Breakdown would make our, our top breakdowns list anyways, but they just happen to have two of our favorite breakdowns. I want to say Terror covered this too, but um, I had already been hip to it before, obviously, just because, you know, Breakdown's fucking Breakdown. Um, but what's is it you're more of a musician than me like let me ask you this like does it sound like they're kind of like out of tune sometimes when they play some of these songs or is that just the way they play their music the breakdown but it's it's funny i was just seeing um uh, i was just reading something about some band being like out of tune and they record it was af roger was just like we're out of tune for that fucking that whole recording session i wish we were there but yeah that Breakdowns 87 was it like like production wise is kind of a mess. Um and so I, I think like when a band like Terror covers it, um, it really like pulls out all those fucking hard ass pieces. 
And all my notes say for this song is Vinny Paz. And like for terror covers that song and has Vinny come in for the breakdown, Jedi Mind Tricks uh rapper. Um like that dude number one in my head, like that dude's gotta have his own hardcore band. Write five, six songs, seal the demo, that dude's got it. But yeah, that song fucking rules because it, it's like fast and then it just like it doesn't set up the breakdown like a lot of songs do. It just like stops and then it's like drums into that breakdown. And then yeah, I I, I also Breakdown's one of those bands, especially like this record, where like, yeah, they say it sounds cool on tape, et cetera. But I, they're one of those bands where like live, uh, to, to me, it's like a, like, I absolutely fucking love Ringworm. But like some of Ringworm's records and recordings, you're like, cool, that that's cool. Um, but it just doesn't kind of like instill it. But when you see Ringworm live, and fucking human furnace and that band they just they, again like they come back to that snarl that like he's pissed they're pissed like that band takes it seriously they just bring an edge and i feel like breakdown and that record like uh and that and specifically this song like carry that shit like good good luck being close to the stage next when that song comes on actually you talking about recordings makes me think of something too well, first of all, uh, the thing about Vinny Paz, like with him being like, he's like, that dude's like probably like got more knowledge of hardcore than anybody who does a, a hardcore podcast. But it, it's crazy. Cause I never knew, like, I, I mean, I knew cause he, he like is on the terror record and he, he like references hardcore in a lot of his records, but like, I never knew all these like uh, underground rappers were just like punk rock dudes. Like that were into like hardcore and punk growing up. But one thing I kind of want to mention with you talking about the recordings is as I'm looking ahead and I'm not going to name the songs right away, obviously, but most of these songs uh, coming up, like, did not have like they had a lot of them had good recordings but they wouldn't have had like pro tools or any of the crap that's available now like it was like you had to i mean again i'm not a musician so i don't know but i think you, it was like a, you had to re record and be on like you couldn't like like you know like re-edit like guitar parts i'm sure you could re-record it if you had to but I, again i don't know the whole process you know I've, i'm somewhat familiar with it but i know that, like a lot of these tracks are not not as modern so to speak so um I guess, speaking of which, uh, lucky number 13 is going to have a real special place in Jim's heart. So I'm going to let Jim talk about world peace from the Cro-Mags uh, first. Uh, had the absolute honor and pleasure of covering the song when I played bass in, in Borrowed Time. And I remember when we were trying to learn it, friend was like, it kind of goes like this. Da, da, da. And um, I'm listening to it more and more. And, and there's there's like there's a there's like a couple of things that heart you know and I, I i'm not some sort of accomplished musician or like classically trained this or that but um i i just caught this piece and like like a couple of things that harley does in, in world peace and i go brendan's like he does something else in it like anyways we got to play it and like what a I mean, if you want to look up like blistering hardcore tracks and riffs, like I, I was also thinking, man, we could, what if we came up with like a top 50 fucking fast parts um, and fucking crow mags would have, you know, they'd have 10 tracks right in there. But World Peace was an absolute blast to play live. People went nuts, obviously. Uh, you got to, to come up on stage, which was super cool. Like I, I always wanted to try and be around uh, 
those experiences where friends and 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 crowd members could come up and and participate in the songs and and when you and Jamie or and you individually would come up and like take the vocals for that was super fucking cool. You know that was pre uh, Hate Five Six era where everybody <laughs> like rap style gets a verse on the mic, which I was actually thinking about that recently because when I went when Terror uh, Jesus Peace Year of the Knife and Knock Loose played. Uh, at, at brew house right down the street from my house a couple weeks after Hendrix was born jesus piece was playing and like like they they handed the mic off to one of their boys or whatever and then like a couple songs later some like random kid came on stage and grabbed the mic out of the singer aaron's hand or whatever and you could tell the dude was like visibly annoyed by it and like after the song he said something he was like yo this isn't for, like not everybody can just grab this mic and sing these songs or whatever so if i don't give you the mic it's not yours or something like i'm not paraphrasing obviously but so, but yo, that, that like, obviously, um, you know, there's another world peace is definitely one of my favorite Chromex songs, uh, for, uh, not just because you guys covered it, but I mean, you guys covering it obviously gives it a special place in my heart too, because, uh, I think that's the only time I've ever really done that with a band aside from the crappy bands that, that I was in, uh, in high school, but you know, also lyrically too. I mean, this song is just, you know, I mean, some of it you could consider a little sketchy, I guess, but the the lyrics i mean they're they're true though you know what i mean like it's 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 100 percent true so um god bless john joseph and all of his wisdom or you know and harley too and all his wisdom too i mean two of the <laughs> fucking characters we'll talk more about those guys in a little bit obviously um so that's the thing like i was saying a lot of these are like the top fifth the top 15 or so a lot of these bands do kind of repeat themselves and if people have issues with that, I apologize, but these are our favorite breakdowns, so that's just the way we ended up doing it. So number 12, we got Judge, Fed Up. Now, when I saw them in Buffalo, I don't, I'm pretty sure uh, that they, I know they played Take Me Away first, and I want to say they played Fed Up second. I might have the order backwards. I'm sure Derek Dole will listen to this, and he'll he'll have the correct answer, but I'm pretty sure Fed Up was second. Um. But you were talking about tapes before. This is one that I definitely had the cassette of this um, late 90s, early 2000s, whenever. And just fucking hard. That whole cassette is hard. All the, all, all those, those, those Judge songs from those two records, those first two records are hard as hell. But this, I mean, the lyrical content, again, I wasn't around in the late 80s, early 90s. Well, I mean, not in hardcore, obviously. But just from everything I know and have read, like, just a band coming out like this and having like, and I, and I'm not straight edge. I was for a few months in my teenage years, but I'm I'm not, and I respect it, but a band to, to come out with such hard lyrics in a time like this, where there weren't as many straight edge bands and they definitely weren't, weren't coming out like this. Um, kudos, kudos to judge and kudos to them for playing live uh, years later. So I could see them too. Yeah. A, a few weeks ago, I finally got the chance to watch that. Do, judge documentary that Vice put out and you know it was it was you know centered on Mike Judge the vocalist and but that's really you know it was kind of a smart decision because that that's the window into understanding this band because you know if you look at the rest of the setup it, it's um, musicians who between Sammy and Walter and uh, Porcel like they went on or like had been involved in other acts and and what and that's not to like take away from what judge did because holy shit like 
that music, what they, what, how they came together, what they coalesced in, in Judge is truly unique, special. Like it just stands up there with the Titans. And what stands out even more is like they didn't have a long stretch. They didn't, and they weren't like, they didn't reach the popularity like the Cro-Mags did in terms of like crossover. You're hitting like a thousand people. Um, they, they were still playing kind of smaller shows, smaller bills, um, popular with who came out and things like that. But um, what I wanted to say about Fed Up was um, the time I saw it covered, I think it was Coalition. I can't remember who covered it, but um, that, uh, you know, like that track and it's either Porcel or, or Walter who played on the records with Judge were like, we didn't know what Mike was coming up with, <coughs> pardon me, but that um, he, like, when, when we heard his recording and he let out this, like, lion's roar, which you hear on Fed Up's Breakdown, like, that that's it like that's the defining sound like that that breakdown musically is hard but his vocals the lyrical content like i also got a greater appreciation you know again knowing like a little bit more of the historical context in new york city in the 80s like crack heroin coke like people were getting fucked up and like just you know they're like walking zombies around and i I know like it it's similar to today with uh you know like pills between uh meth and fentanyl and all this stuff like it's somewhat similar so you have to better understand like straight edge it's not just about like a a, you know oh a choice it's just like it's fucking life or death why a drug-free life was so important and why it needed to get expressed through such hard-ass lyrics like fed up so number 11, I think for a little while, I, I actually had at number one because it's one of my favorite favorite hardcore songs, especially having seen them perform it live so many times. I want to say they closed with this a lot of times when we saw them in the beginning, which when I say in the beginning, I, I didn't get the chance to see Madball in the 90s, but we, we saw them a lot in the early 2000s when they came back. And I want to say they would close with New York City a lot. Um, and that's just a perfect breakdown. It's not, it's, it's not one of those breakdowns that like, punches you in the face or anything like that but it's just a perfect breakdown and, and after seeing them play like a whole set and seeing them close with that just perfect and, and it's funny because you're talking about all these things about new york city with judge with the last song and it, it all it, a lot of that relates to this song too and correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't this one of the songs that we were going to cover when you and i were trying to do that cover band in 2006 before i traveled cross country I mean, I know we wanted to do um, set it off, but I wouldn't put it past us to try to do this one because because of what it is. Yeah, it. I, I you did a good job explaining it in terms of like it. It just just doesn't jump out at you, but like it catches up like after a minute or well, not even a minute, but you know, after like it sets in, man end of the set uh, the first time i got to see them 2002 at what was the big place in syracuse the big stretched out i can't remember what it was called but i know what you're talking uh, about really okay anyway there too yeah, yeah yeah um i'm just being the pit was huge it was like multiple pits like uh, because 
it had been like this was the first time Madball had come back since uh, I believe Freddie was doing a stint in the in the clink or something. And uh, you know, it also like time felt longer, you know, in terms of like, oh, you know, hold it down came out in 2000, but by the time like 2002, it felt like millennia, and it also felt like you never knew when bands were actually going to reunite it. You know, like that phenomenon wasn't a thing. It just felt like when bands were done, they were done. Um, and so you never knew. So when, when, when they came out, uh, it felt like that place was, was big. Uh, I remember maybe in towards the back or, or multiple pits at there and they played that one. And I just, I remember like just uncorking and, and real, like, I, my notes were like, it's a next level rage because it, it's slow. It's not complicated musically, but it's like, it's the context of those lyrics, that song, et cetera. And it's just like, everything can come out sonically through that, uh, through that riff and that breakdown is fucking gold. I absolutely love New York city. Yeah. And the following week was when we went down to DC to see them too. So you got the chance to see them play. A little bit a little bit that first run there and then another funny piece of trivia is there was another madball show in early 2001 that i wanted to go to but i was booking a a small brown bike show at the bug jar that day so i had to be there so instead of seeing madball i was at a small brown bike show which i like small brown bike but you know them versus madball i probably would take madball so number 10 is actually also uh number one for like songs that came out in in our era of like when jim and i were like really uh running hard with all this shit early 2000s and i i guess a, a, a polarizing might be a proper word for them at the time but i don't i never cared about any of that shit they're a band that i liked and and i got the chance to book them and see them play a bunch um so number 10 is ill blood from no warning off the uh, ill blood lp a perfect record you know what i'm saying if if you like that kind of shit a perfect record I mean, you could tell on a couple tracks on there what they were thinking about doing later on if you go back and listen to it in hindsight, but still a perfect record. And what's funny about this song is um, when I realized that Risha Sky was getting ready to break up in early 2003, we ended up going with your old buddy Greg, uh, Polgod11 at at AOL.com. We ended up going up with him to Toronto to see uh, Risha Sky because it was one of their last shows and, and No Warning and The Promise were playing too. Um, that might even be the time No Warning covered uh, Fight for Your Right by Beastie Boys, too. But um, anyways, they, they, I don't know if I, they've had to have closed with Ill Blood that night. But either way, they played Ill Blood. And I, first of all, I didn't realize Sweeper was a big uh, No Warning fan at the time. And I definitely didn't realize that Ian Larrabee liked him this much either. Because that's the only time I've ever seen Ian Larrabee mosh to a band. And it was just during that song. And he went hard, obviously. And <laughs> Sweeper, too, which... You know, I've seen Sleeper Mosh tons of times, but still, I didn't I didn't realize he liked No Warning like that. But again, if you like good hardcore, like it was hard not to fuck with that record, you know, and we had the privilege, you and I, of seeing them play a bunch of times, too. You know, that that fucking Toronto show that we drove up to uh, April of uh, probably 2003, maybe 2002. Uh, it was like No Warning, Our War, um, Punch in the Face, I think, played. I want to say fucked up might have played too, but like before they were the kind of band they are now, but I have a fanzine, a breakout fanzine that I was just looking at the other day and the flyer for that show is on the back of it. So maybe I'll post it uh, with this episode since I'm thinking about it. And actually 
I'm not going to say his name. If he wants to say it, he can. But at that, at that show, I don't think it was even during No Warning. I can't remember who it was during, but a friend of ours, you, we were talking about Cold as Life before. A friend of ours uh, made the mistake of saying something to one of those guys about the way he was dancing during one of the bands. And I remember standing there being like, yo, isn't that the dude from Cold as Life? Like, what the fuck is he doing? And luckily, Cooler Heads prevailed. I don't know why, but they did that night. So, um, but what are your thoughts on Ill Blood? I, uh, yeah, that, that album is is perfect it's it's flawless uh i know it gets dragged a little bit because there were so many copycats after it and then you know they kind of got you know baby biohazard baby Madball in their day but you know they're they're dudes doing their thing and um i i just got the the privilege to see him a couple weeks ago they played phoenix uh i i mentioned it earlier they uh i was wearing this uh, I, I got a new buried alive long sleeve this hot little yellow number um and um and gavel their bass player and ben their singer were like right by the merch table as, as i came in i was just you know getting tickets squared away or whatever and uh and they're like yo that's that's a dope buried alive shirt it yeah like those guys played toronto all the time when we were in 90s and scott vogel's reason we're a band etc so like i got a you know you got like a glimpse even in a real brief conversation that like they were only exposed to so much um as as a as a scene etc and then um you know like jordan their guitar player was uh, on todd jones's um i think it's called unsilent death his podcast and like Todd Jones is like, yo, Jordan, I love how you, you know, you you mentioned this before about like you're not a musician, but like these these riffs, etc. And Todd Jones was like, Jordan, I love how you play these riffs because like you put these like little like hiccups or pauses, you know, like these little like in what you do, and like it just makes this these riffs come alive. And I think like no warning between like the self-titled EP. And like, like quick shout out to like Thorpe Records because that comp that they put out the first one and then the second one, Fighting Music, Thorpe Records, like they had Carry On, they had No Warning, they had Break uh, Breakdown, Striking Distance, like you just like that was it in two thousand one. If you wanted to know fucking good ass hardcore, Thorpe Records, uh, Fighting Music comp number one was fucking dope. And and they, I was surprised they didn't play that song last when I saw them in Phoenix. They uh, three, four to the end. They played short fuse last, but I, they just didn't disappoint. Um, they're still fucking good. That that song, that breakdown. Oh man, fucking real good. Having been an insider with the fanzine and distro and shit back in the day, I want to say that fighting music might've been like a co-release between like bridge nine Thorpe and like some other labels that were like distributed through lumberjack Mortem, whoever at the time, you know, th th there was a lot of smart people doing things like that back then. Obviously uh, CD samplers, uh, if younger kids are listening to this now, they're probably like, what the fuck? But you know, that's, <clears throat> that's where we learned a lot of our shit. Now uh, track nine, is our last Madball song. And again, I feel like some people might be like, oh, that's a weird Madball song to put so high. And there were like, Hold It Down is probably my favorite Madball record, which some people might disagree. Like, but 
Um, I think the song Cutoff from Look My Way has the best breakdown. And I know you and I, I don't remember like when, but at least one of the Buffalo shows that we went to that Madball played when they came back, they played like three or four songs off Look My Way back to back. And I feel like this was one of them. And I haven't seen them play this song live too many times, but it's another one of those breakdowns that's like uh, that District 9 breakdown where it's not really too complex, but sometimes the beauty of the plan is in the simplicity of it, you know, and I, that's definitely where it is here. So True, Walter, it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I was, I remember the two of us being blown away that we got to see this song and like a string of Look My Way songs played live because we had seen them, you know, I, I caught the Syracuse show, we got the DC show, and maybe, you know, we, we just weren't certain they were going to play this stuff. But I, I remember, um, I remember the live when they played this and, and we went bonkers to it. Um, I remember when you, me, and, and Rob Antonucci went to Syracuse for a terror show. And I think it was like lowest to lower, low, lowest to low release or something like that. Cause I remember coming back with like the metal tin, um, lowest to low. And then either there or back, he put on, he's like, I got some mad ball. What do you guys want to do? Like, and I, I think you were like, yo, you got any look my way. <laughs> it's just like the three of us were like, yo, cut off fucking kills um it just something about that song it just it's got a lot of bounce it's got a lot of pizzazz i i know uh i know that lec that record is like remembered in its time etc is its uh has its own sort of lore and legend um but the setup to it is fucking good you just gotta listen to it sort of somewhat isolated from madball's other stuff i guess you could say but um it yeah it's it's definitely you know like when we said some of the criteria for this top 50 is some of our favorites um this is definitely one of them and uh fuck i i wish i could see him play cut off real soon yeah shout out to rob antonucci and uh shout out to sweeper for driving 110 miles per hour by us on the throughway that night which i'll never that dead inside joke will never get old and the look on his face when he drove by us, too, was like the most serious look I've ever seen. I mean, maybe he had to go to the bathroom or something. I don't know. But um, so number eight is another Chromag song, uh, Don't Tread On Me. Uh, I, I could have ranked this one a little higher, but uh, spoiler alert, we do have one more Chromag song on here. So that, that got the, the nod. But um, I mean, we've talked about the Chromags a little bit already, but what, what you know what I mean? This, this, it's just a fucking good breakdown. Again, it's not like, it's not super hard. I mean, the, the, the other one that we have there is a little harder, but it's just a perfect breakdown. I remember No Warning covering it at that show that we were talking about earlier. And, you know, the lyrics to this song are probably like looking at the last seven or eight songs. I, I, I think these might be the hardest, some of the hardest ones uh, left, you know? So what do, what do you say about Don't Tread On Me, Jim? it's like set inside of like that whole record but inside the song uh when the breakdown for do tread on me starts it like you know it's a it's one of those um switch flippers you, you just can't not you know once it drops in you're like fuck um you gotta you gotta do something to it there's uh there's no doubt um don't tread on me is that fucking good it, it belongs up here 
Now, lucky number seven holds a special place in my heart or my teeth, I suppose. I've told this story on here numerous times, so I won't go too into detail. Just listen to the episodes with Jim Callahan, uh, Jim, Jim's, Jim Byrne, Jim Labatt's first episode, or uh, Aiden's episode. I'm sure I tell the story in depth on all those episodes, possibly more. Um, but long story short, I, uh, the first time I met uh, Jim here, uh, his band was covering this song, and I went up to Mosh for the Mosh part, and uh, Jim Callahan knocked my tooth out. Um, and funny enough, uh, Come and Correct was playing that day too. So uh, naturally, knowing that Rick had lost a lot of teeth, I had a laugh with him about it afterwards. So we're talking about Backtrack from Killing Time. Um, this whole record, I think you were talking about a little bit before, and I don't think any other Killing Time songs around this uh, top 50, although more could be, but that whole record, man, it's it's a fucking perfect record. I was listening to that record really recently, and and from start to finish, man, it's 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 a hard record. I mean, I know Madball has come out and said that they're heavily influenced by Killing Time, and you know you can you can definitely see it in some of the earlier stuff. There's a Killing Time, I think live at like there's a, like a CBGB video I sent you years ago of theirs where they play this song live, and I I remember dudes are just like just go stage dive and stage dive and stage dive and like crazy to this song. And I've never seen killing time live, but I saw reach the sky cover the song like probably 30 times. And I, I saw you guys covered a few times and I know we reference covers a lot on this episode. It's not the same as seeing a band play the song themselves, but sometimes when you're not uh, around in hardcore in, in the early mid or late eighties, you got to take what you can get. Yeah. I, I, there was a criteria I had came kind of came up to partially help with how to determine this, especially the top 25 of this list and like era and legacy were one as well as like sort of rage level and energy that you'd go off for. But one of, one of them too was like creativity and like uniqueness of, of like the riff itself. And, and this is high up there for me because it's not super obvious. Like this breakdown's kind of odd. And if you look at when this record came out, I believe in 89, um, when, when Brightside came out, like it's, it, it's definitely a New York sound. It, and, and having covered it um, and having to play it, it it's odd. It, it's not like a typical, like straight ahead, like it has this rhythmic, like, um, set up to it um and for starters when 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 something sacred was playing with this with with rob we weren't playing it technically correctly we were playing it like too high and then butson came in and like yo like uh you got to play it down here first and then etc so it just got beefed up but um no I, that was that was like that was the second killing time song i heard aiden had um i uh, wall of hate on the mixtape he gave me and then we learned this one because i believe aiden was like yo we should cover this and that was our first uh our first show as something sacred um and then uh speaking of that terror death wreck show that we played in the lodge we covered killing time then and we were just all jazz especially you know like um me, Rob, and Dan, you know, Aiden's Irish, so yeah, you know, he's he's from over there. But like being like Western New York dudes and Vogel coming back, because again, like the time frame, like 
buried alive was done uh terror was brand new it just felt like these you know i don't it, it just felt bigger um for a lot of reasons that terror was coming around and they had already played hellfest in syracuse um not long before that uh i know you had gone to see him but uh because that fucking bass show i got a i got a speeding ticket and i couldn't couldn't finance my way to hellfest that year all i should have just ate it on the chin and gone to it um we played it and we were the first band on that list and um and i remember uh vogel came in when we were covering that song and he like skanked to it um and i was like fuck that's it that's it I don't, I don't have to do anything else in my hardcore quote unquote career uh scott vogel came in and moshed for one of our songs albeit a cover song i'll take it so uh killing time backtrack that whole record's fucking perfect um every song is uniquely different that it doesn't sound like anything else and it's time i know raw deal the previous iteration was its own thing but that record is absolutely fucking gold um i know i um it i just saw on breakdowns um um instagram page the remembering uh rich who played with them um he passed away almost a year ago to the day so so rest in power that dude but um special band fucking a killing time just it's that it's the name they got it yeah yeah shout out to them yeah rest in peace rich so number six is our our final uh journey down uh the 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 drama that is known as the chromags um it's the limit i know some people probably would rank this song a little higher but like me looking at our top five i'm pretty happy with what we have there but um yeah chromags it's the limit it's a pretty hard breakdown i remember american nightmare redid this song on that that second ep i don't think i ever saw them play it live as a cover i mean obviously i've seen you know uh jj chromags play it live i don't remember if the when the, the two times that I saw him and Harley on stage together, I can't remember. If, I, I bet they probably did. I don't. I don't really remember. I was too busy trying not to get hit in the face with Harley's bass um, at the at the Wilkes Bear show, and I was too busy watching Harley talk shit to like straight edge people that uh, probably had uh, semi-automatic weapons somewhere at that at that uh, Hellfest or whatever. So I didn't know that it wasn't as paying as much attention to their set list, but. Um, yeah, no, it's limits. It's a hard fucking breakdown, you know. And honestly, American Nightmare does it justice too, you know. I mean, I know Jesse Stanhart was in the band when they recorded it, so that probably had a lot to do with it. But um, his, he does the, he has a couple of vocal tracks at the end of it that sound pretty good. So, what what are your thoughts on it's the limit though? Uh, that that that's one of the early Chromag songs I heard. Um, bringing back Aiden's mixtape, it, it was hard times uh, with my intro to Chromags, but it's the limit was if not the the very next one. It was one of the next two three. Um, they just had that like um, <laughs> you know, speaking of musicians. Uh, you know, we kind of uh, have a laugh at some of that drama, but um, you know, like the the sense of dynamics to songs in terms of like building things in, et cetera. There's um, a Chromag show, you know, people have probably already seen it. Um, I, I just can't remember how you would search it up on YouTube, but they start with It's the Limit and it's like a big ballroom yeah. and the place just just gets fucking kinetic. 
and and it's that intro and it's su again super simple but like that like like that uh like machine gun kind of cadence to things um leading into a breakdown like that is just no wonder people went off for these guys and, and they then no wonder they had the kind of crossover appeal without like getting wanky or you know like new metally in its time of course like it's almost like a universal how could you not go fucking nuts for this band um and and especially the breakdown it, it's the limit it's just so fucking good yeah i could be totally wrong but i i feel like the footage you're talking about is is from uh the ritz in new york city which is now known as Webster Hall. And I remember being there in 2011 for that Gorilla Biscuit show that I referenced earlier, which I'll probably talk about again. And, and, and just being like, man, this is so dope. And, and yeah, that, that old Chromex footage is crazy. And just the whole lore of the Chromex, like in hardcore, you'll never hear, you know, anything else anywhere close to that. I mean, I'm sure there's, there's certain bands you could talk about that have crazy stories like that, but I, I think they definitely are, are towards the top of that list. Number five, uh, judge where it went again privilege of seeing them play in 2016 in buffalo they played this song and what a hard breakdown you know what i mean what a hard fucking breakdown i don't i don't really know what else to say honestly it's just it's a it's a hard breakdown i mean honestly of of our of our breakdowns that are left i think this is the hardest one you know i, I it's not my favorite obviously because there's a few that i like a little bit more that we're going to talk about but I would say if you look at like the, the songs that are left, this is probably like the hardest of the, of the remaining breakdowns. Yeah, I agree. Like how we conceive of breakdowns today, like, if, you know, if somebody were somehow to pass this off as their own right now, like the new generate from our age, uh, you know, forward uh, to like young kids, 15, 16 right now, be like, oh my God, like that fucking hard, that's heavy, et cetera. Uh, I, it's almost, I, I couldn't, you know, I've known this song for, for quite a time now, but when you put it on there, I was like, oh yeah, well, yeah when it went. And it was, it was more for me, I, I forgot to like the actual breakdown of it. It was like the mid-tempo riffs that were super heavy, that like the bounce, the curl, like the shit that they were doing, like, like the, the New York crew seven inch from judge, absolutely great. But there's like this leap forward that they make as musicians and songwriters that comes to encompass the judge from like 90 onward, which doesn't take much more time. Um, but like, that's like, it, it's on absolutely untouchable. It's absolutely perfect. It's untouchable. And this breakdown, I mean, it would just go wall to wall right now even if you know if it were god's hate or section somebody else like playing it as their own people would go nuts to it and that to me like my note that i wrote next to the song was like can't imagine in its day like i i just can't you know 90 91 judge playing this song just people going fucking bonkers um holy shit yeah yeah uh, i definitely agree it's the the hardest of the top uh 10. Now, this song, number four, as won by Warzone, I, I, I used to like make, like say a lot of favorites and this and that, like this is my favorite this and favorite that. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, it's kind of hard to really say because there's so many 
things that I like, but this might be my favorite hardcore song. I mean, it's got such a fucking killer riff throughout the whole thing. And then like, it's not a mosh part per se, but when that like breakdown hits, phenomenal. I never saw Warzone. They played, uh, I, didn't, I didn't even realize until I interviewed Moose last episode that they played Elmira at one point, but they played uh, Buffalo as well in 97. Steve Titus booked them, but I, I didn't have a ride to it, so I never saw them play. But I remember when I saw Gorilla Biscuits for the first time in 2006 in Denver. I don't remember if they played uh, Expectations from Youth of Today and this back-to-back. They definitely played both those songs that night. But when they played this song, like, I, I was going crazy the whole night, but, like, I think I just, like, literally lost my mind when they played this song. Because it's, it's, it's it, like I said, it's one of my favorite songs. And the, the lyrical message to it, like I said, the guitars, just the whole story, you know. And that... That LP, Don't Forget the Struggle, Don't Forget the Streets, is definitely uh, one of my favorite uh, hardcore records, too. And countless bands, like I referenced with Gorilla Biscuits, and, and again, I know I said before, it's not the same thing seeing a band live, but I, I saw countless bands cover this song over the years. Um, I want to say 25 to Life probably would have been one of them, too. But um, no, definitely lots of bands covered it, and it's, it's a classic fucking hardcore song. Yeah, I, I, you know, honest admission, I never got much into to Warzone, but through like this this specific process of like trying to nail down this grouping of of some of the best breakdowns um it's like i heard these songs like between warzone and youth of today and then i was like man if josh is really sticking to this one there's got to be something to it and the more i listened to it and then i i, I listened to that album again it, it just uh things just clicked and I'm like, I get it. I get it. I, I totally hear what you're hearing now. And I'd go bonkers if I, if I heard it now. Um, and I could see why people, you know, if it's covered is like that. And yeah, it's not, it's not, you know, like fucking bulldoze or um, shattered realm in terms of like heaviness, but it, it doesn't need that. You know, it's the speed, it's the rhythm, it's the message that you're talking about. Like that's the stuff that's so special to to hardcore music is it's like it, it's all that stuff you know you just can't take one out of it and just be like that and then it it just takes out of the heart and soul of it and uh it just makes sense that you know this band and that that song that riff uh are as high as they are for this yeah and i also want to say that obviously there's at least one song on that lp that will make our top intros list but there's also I think some people shit on some of the victory albums that Warzone did, but I love uh, the sound of revolution and that intro will make uh, my, my, it's one of my favorite intros, not, not like top 10 or anything like that, but it's definitely something I think of um, when I think of good intros. Now we're getting into the top three. Uh, I feel like if anybody listens to this, they're really going to look at these songs with a microscope. So, you know, agree to disagree if they're not your top three, but um, this song here. Again, I've never seen Breakdown live, but I have seen a few bands cover this song live, and it's just another song that just makes you lose your fucking mind. Uh, Jail of Depression, uh, fucking Throw Away the Key. I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how these dudes like so many bands in New York City, you know, and they don't, they don't really sound alike. Like you can tell the dudes from Madball and AF, like. We're, we're, we're on the same wavelength you know there's a few bands like that but like new york hardcore like 
it's somewhat diverse you know what i mean and like to hear shit like this and like the lyrics to this too man are fucking perfect you know but this is this is a fucking good breakdown and i I think i told you when i talked about this on the episode with dylan a couple episodes back that i think they're called raw breed from uh denver i i was like not not in a place to be seen and doing stuff like that but they happen to cover jail depression uh not that you know i'm not gonna say when but i've said it before but (laughs) and you know it was it was hard for me not to lose it for that so what are are your thoughts though yeah i i remember when you were at that show um i'll never forget and and this is this is what the note i wanted to to drive for this is I'm the, uh, like, there's, I don't know, maybe very few breakdowns on this whole fifties list. And if we ever get to hundred, um, on that list, but there's, I'll never forget jail depression where I was, how that, how that breakdown hit me, um, the first time hearing it. And, uh, we were with, we were with Jake, Aiden was riding shotgun. Jake had this big old blue Cadillac um and i was in the back seat and we were going out to his buddy's place you know in the sticks kind of brockport area and it was like a sunday or something like that and jake had a cassette on in his cadillac uh and i had never heard this breakdown it, it's off blacklisted which is kind of like for some reason like an under produced under published record um and this came up and all I remember is like, you know, like throw away the key and that echo and that breakdown hit. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, I, you know, I'm in the back seat and we're, we're going to some barbecue or something like that. And I just wanted to go absolutely fucking nuts. And, and I'll just, I, it was a hard time finding it. And Aiden was often my source for, for hardcore music, um, between the record CDs and like iTunes. I, I, uh, you know, count my lucky stars. Uh, I lived with him and, and was, was friends with him to be able to rob a lot of his stuff that he, you know, spent hours uploading. But I was like, I could never find this one. And I don't remember when I reconnected it next, but um, yeah, that, again, it's one of those, it's not like, you know, technically the hardest or this or that, but there's just something about all that song and its completeness um that jail depression and that fucking breakdown comes to and i also you know i i love power trip and 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 rest in power riley from power trip um one of my favorite bands um i got lucky enough to see a couple times shit uh that special character you know he's he's kind of one of those uh like jeff kind of people um they covered it and i was like all right that all this makes sense, you know, where like kind of their style comes from, but fucking eight. Yeah. I, I would absolutely lose my mind if, uh, if I got to see breakdown play jail depression, Mike Dijon, uh, one of the guitar players for breakdown and a bunch of other New York bands, just, you know, you don't have to be like Ingve Malpstein and like playing all this super technical stuff, but if you can write good music that, that makes people go nuts, especially on the first time hearing it, you got you got the gift um so uh respect to uh mike dijon and breakdown yeah and crown of thorns will probably at least be on the top intros i would think Ooh, yep. you know? so speaking of intros 
I know one of the one of the criteria I had told you was that I don't really want to include breakdowns where it's like basically they're playing the intro as the breakdown. So then, uh, which, <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of which, shout out to Stigmata because they definitely have some really hard Ooh. breakdowns. But most of yep. those ones like were ones that I was like the, the two that I really liked. They had they played them earlier in the song. But anyways, Stigmata could definitely be on this list, and they're fucking hard. But anyways. Um, so yeah, judge, take me away. Uh, that, that's, 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 you know, it's going to make the top intros list too, obviously. But, um, I, uh, if you look up judge, take me away Buffalo on YouTube, hopefully you'll find, uh, my, my poorly, uh, recorded, uh, sounding clip of like the, as much as I could record until I wanted to stage dive basically of when they open with that in Buffalo. But that's, Again, we've we've talked about Judge a few times, so there's not really much I can say that I haven't already. But with this song specifically, it's just, it's it's. I mean, the again, the, the intro the intro kind of sets you up for it. So you kind of, if you've heard the song enough times, you know it's coming. But it's it's still fucking ridiculous. And like I said, I couldn't I couldn't even record the whole song. Like I give due props to fucking Sunny, any hardcore photographers like Jeff Lesich and all them dudes, and and ladies who are photographers too, for that matter because I wouldn't be able to do that. You know what I mean? Like when I, when I tried uh, recording judge, I was like, I can't even record this. I got to go stage dive now. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know how they do that without losing their minds for all those shows, you know? Yeah. This one, especially um, this is, it's the whole package. It's everything coming together for this breakdown and more so I think, than almost any other breakdown we have in this top 10 or excuse me top 50 that like vocals not only like lyrical content but like mike judges like dynamic and attack to get to this point man when he's saying when i'm so strong that i use both hands like how what are you like you're moving mountains to this shit like how, you just can't not connect. And, and you know, like there was uh, a very brief period where I, I chose not to do substances because I, I feel I needed to like grab a hold of who I was and things like that before I engaged in stuff like that. Um, but, oh man, that fucking breakdown. I, I just, holy shit. Um, take me away. It, it's everything. It's absolutely everything. And there's only one reason that the the band in front of them gets where they're at but uh who yeah uh, i i i could yeah, if i didn't say it when you when when i had my episode uh the first one uh to see judge live um please please edit that <laughs> to say that i wish i i could see them a little late for that now obviously but what are you going to do <laughs> um now I know I referenced his his lyrics before, but I I think of all of our top breakdowns, he he's probably one of the best lyricists. You know what I mean? Like the like you referenced, the lyrics were just and especially for it being like thirty years ago. You know, um, I mean some of my favorite lyrics in hardcore, the band didn't make the top fifty, although one of the songs I could have put on there. Uh, but American Nightmare, those those are some of my favorite lyrics in hardcore, just because just fucking depressing ass shit. You know, <laughs> so oh yeah. Uh, well, I guess, you know, so now's the time. Uh, 
I don't know how that's going to sound on the final <laughs> edit. We'll see if it makes it or not. It wasn't, it wasn't the one I'd hoped I was going to get. I've been listening to too many uh, Jim Cornette uh, wrestling podcasts because he does that on, on his all the time with his sound effects. Um, number one, I don't think anybody is going to be too surprised. I think anybody who listens to hardcore would probably put this at least towards the top, if not at the top of a breakdowns list. I will say the last few people that I asked, mind you, we already had this as number one, but the last few people I asked all put this either in their top three or as number one for the most part. Um, And one thing I was thinking about before is that we didn't really get into like a lot of technical shit about breakdowns in the beginning, like to introduce the episode. Like we didn't say like, oh, who wrote the first breakdown? Who, like, what do we define as a breakdown? We kind of talked about that a little bit, I guess. The first important breakdown to me is Bad Brains, Right Brigade. It's the first important breakdown and it's the last important breakdown because like that fucking, that whole album is phenomenal, but this song specifically, fucking Right Brigade. <laughs> I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you kind of talk about it a little bit before I, I say what I have to say, because I'm still kind of thrown off from that drum roll that might not make the, uh, the final cut. <laughs> I, uh, it, it harkens to the start of the song, I guess. Um, I, I, I tough, you know, it's just more, the more that you hear bands, the more time goes on and you look back at the recording 81, 82. And so, you know, like, especially if you've been in bands, uh, you've had to have this stuff six months to a year before you go in the studio, like more or less. So we're really dating this stuff at like probably around 80 to 81. And like, you know, hearing some of the stuff that gets passed on the radio from that time period. And then, yeah, you got to do your homework. You got to look at bands that like Discharge and um, other bands around at that time, even kind of like the the punk stuff that um, was kind of glammy, if you will. And then... And then the bad brains comes along and this, as Josh said, this record is it's flawless. It's like sonically just demolishing. I mean, um, uh, I'll bring it back again. Aiden made me a perfect mixtape. The bad brain songs he put onto that was um, band in DC and that the, 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 like, the sound not, it's, it's the recording of it too but it's like you know the drum beat in the back of that with the like you know you, you pull your your cable out and you know the guitar player is like tapping it somewhere on it it's it's you know tapping into our like world war ii brains as to like an alarm a sound like caution national crisis kind of thing and then these like power chords rip into you it bear brings is fucking it's the best uh you know brendan and i from brendan from borrowed time and and his various other bands he's in now kudos to him uh we don't agree on everything but i remember him telling you like his his favorite number one all-time hardcore band is bad brains and it took me around to to see how he sees it and and i agree and you know something sacred we were covering right brigade in 2002 and people were going nuts for it and i had appreciate it for them because 
Uh, I love playing it. It just, it made me go nuts. It made people go nuts. But the more time passes, I, I just, it just deepens my appreciation to what an all black outfit was doing in 1982, uh, bouncing between DC and New York City. What they were coming up with um, was, it's absolutely phenomenal, unparalleled, you know, put, put whatever sort of markers you want around it. Um, this is it. This is it. Yeah, Band in DC should probably be on the top 50 breakdowns too. I feel like we could make a, a top 50 breakdowns that didn't make our top 50 list. I mean, I guess that would just make it a top 100 at that point. But, you know, another thing I was thinking of too is I had just mentioned that Mike Judge wrote the best lyrics of any of our top 50, but I think HR uh, might might actually take that award. Um, and, and to think about how, you know, again, he wrote those lyrics like four, literally 40 years ago now. You know, it's it's crazy to think about. Um, but that band is just fucking iconic. You know, you don't even have to be a hardcore kid or a punk rocker to recognize how good the Bad Brains are. It's like everybody, like people from all different walks of life know who they are because of all the different shit they, they did and have done. And obviously, like I've, I've told, I've mentioned on here before that my favorite band of all time is the Beastie Boys and they're like heavily influenced by the Bad Brains and like basically worship them. So, I mean, their name is pretty much because of the Bad Brains, you know, Beastie Boys, both uh, BBs, you know, and... I'd be remiss if I didn't mention for the 50th time on the 50th episode that my son's initials are HR too. And my girlfriend didn't even realize she was doing that when she gave me the list of names to choose uh, at the time. She just said, uh, you know, here's a bunch of names. And we already decided Richard because it's her dad and grandfather's name. So we want to keep that in the family. But then all pretty much all the other names were all H's. And I, and I was like, you know, his initials will be HR and that's bad brains. I mean, I grant, grant, I know it's his stage name. It's not his real name, but still that's what he goes by. So yeah. Um, nobody really calls him that, but I, you know, I'd like to think that when he gets a little older and in, in, in the uh, punk and hardcore world, potentially that uh, some of his friends will. I guess kind of wrapping up. Uh, any thoughts on the uh, on how this all played itself out? I mean, it had been coming. Uh, I, in terms of like, like really reconnecting to this stuff. You know, the text back and forth between uh, you and I seeing a lot of these bands pop up on on spotify the the playlist you know aiden's mixtape i was trying to recreate for his episode and, and make a a playlist for that to reflect those bands that he was on there i mean it, it's just um it's reconnected me with every aspect you know there's been sort of phases um in in your in your love affair with this music and like it's fast you know you like the mid-tempo stuff you like the beat down stuff shout out to john mccarthy for turning me on to a, a lot of those kinds of bands you know the the bands that were really like re like breaking new ground but also connecting us and and this is kind of the stuff that we talked about uh uh in the episode with me you know like 2002 three four of like terror really like uh to me like kind of connecting those fast parts in an intensity and like love affair of what this is and like just really bridging a lot of different genres um and it's it sounds you know it maybe overstated at the time or about the time but they really were I think of this like breath of fresh air 
um, that like found a lot of like the old school kids who could really jive with who Terror was, the beatdown kids with like the obvious mosh marks that they could be, and they just kind of like gave a gave a new life and and really pushed the ball forward um, on advancing uh, on advancing hardcore. So it was, but I mean like discovering um, a lot of the other bands, even like like reconnecting with the songs that that I've liked over the last 20 years. Um, but like, you know, finding those like outburst and, um, you know, cause for alarms from those older records, um, altercation, um, that they had popped up. That's the cool thing about Spotify, you know, giving you a suggestion and things like that altercation, uh, a Brooklyn band that had only had like a, a demo. And then I just kind of went on a deep dive as much as I could with them um they, they might pop up in the intros um list and things like that there's just um so much special stuff that has popped up uh, in the process of this and unfortunately there's a dishonorable mention list um that pops up with this uh, between a mostly misogynistic dudes who uh who think they can uh handle women and female-bodied peoples uh how they wish uh some to the ultimate ends of uh the most unspeakable violence whether that's of age or not but uh definitely without consent so fuck all them um as the borrowed time shirt said uh, a number of years ago fuck nazi scum um as as good as some of the music and uh, and as hard as those breakdowns and, and lyrics can seem uh at the end they don't have what uh some of those top bands that we're referencing they don't have the soul they don't have the heart they don't have the principle that really makes this stuff special um so yeah uh, just thanks to you josh i mean you put in a lot of time as you always do with anything that you put in put your focus on whether it shows promotion stage diving uh <laughs> or this this podcast shout out to you brother uh it, it's certainly special to be connected to this thanks man yeah i feel like the early 2000s it, it was definitely something we probably initially thought we were going to include a lot more songs from but like i referenced earlier i think once we did the whole deep dive we realized that the classic shit was a lot of it has better breakdowns but like i, I know you referenced the legacy thing at times i tried not to do that too much but i feel like i probably did a couple times um i don't i don't think that's why we put bad brains number one though i think it's because that's the best breakdown Amen. but that's uh you know we're gonna run kind of long with this one so we do have year-end top 10 list uh is yours all done or yes sir i'll be brief because i'm a yapper um apparently that's some sort of national iris trait but i'll start bottom up Ta uh, number 10 um for somebody who's nearing um 40 years old and then um, having to navigate uh, life with kids and, and work and organizing and things like that, uh, not been around hardcore too much, uh, especially in a new city, uh, that's always a little bit difficult to navigate. Uh, my number 10 is just hardcore lives, man. Um, and connected to that is uh, going to see one of my favorite bands. I, I couldn't describe the level of hype, you know, like the day before, my my heart was just racing to go see no warning i wasn't uh, able to see them when they came back out i think it was in 2017 they played a series of shows um but uh them playing the intro behind these walls was fucking holy shit um 
I talked about a dream lineup on my episode and, and they're one of them. Uh, next up, uh, number nine is, um, I mentioned before, Bruce from 100 Demons uh, has a quote unquote new band. Um, I'm only counting them as they have like they have a, a release this year, um, his, uh, his band Eyes of the Lord. Um, it's, it sounds like 100 Demons because it's Bruce, like, what a cool fucking vocalist. His lyrics are hard, gritty, everything contemplative. Um, just a dude who like wears his life on his sleeve uh, that you see out there. And the music's pretty fucking badass too. Uh, C4, I believe they're out of Boston. Uh, Power of Violence, kind of fast band. Uh, really like their, their new release. Um, uh, speaking to some of your roots, uh, mi hermano, Josh, uh, Raw Brigade out of Columbia. Holy fuck. What a, what a great band. And I just also wanted to use it as a chance to, to talk about Columbia and what, uh, what fucked up relationship the United States has just pouring tens of billions of dollars into maintaining a narco military state over the people there. They've just disappeared thousands of social leaders, even in the last 10 years. Uh, and definitely over the last five years in the in the wake of the peace process, uh, freedom for a lot of the political prisoners, not only in Colombia, but housed in the United States. One of them uh, I, I, uh, I actively organize for is uh, Simone Trinidad, who's housed in the Florence Supermax prison in uh, Colorado here in the United States. Uh, Simone Trinidad is a good man, and so are the Colombian people. Robigate is a badass band. Uh, next couple of like big boy beatdown bands, uh, Pain of Truth, Gridiron, um, some some of that thick shit that uh, I love. I know Sean McCarthy would get down on, etc. Number four is Gulch. Um, they've been out the last couple of years, but I just wanted to talk about them because. Again, as an as an older guy, there's uh, lots of new things around my radar. Gulch is a really cool band. They kind of remind me of Outbreak from uh, Maine, but with like mosh parts and like you know metallic-y mosh parts. I love uh, Outbreak and what they did, but uh, Gulch is uh, a cool band too. Kind of that new style that merges a lot of different genres really, really well. Zulu didn't have a release in 2021, so I'm slashing them with Scowl, who did have a release. And I hate to put two, like, quote-unquote, diverse bands. Scowl has a, a female singer who um, uh, just kills it. it you, she's just great. Uh, and then Zulu is an all-black power violence band who just fucking, they slay. I mean, uh, they played with uh, Scowl. Uh, no warning and comeback kid when I saw him in Phoenix and they just didn't fucking disappoint. Um, you know, uh, having a, a female drummer is quite unique and hardcore. And then she does like sort of uh, death growl, death core growl vocals over the back. They're just fucking phenomenal to experience live and, uh, and just a really good band. Uh, that climbs me to number two, which is Section Hates. Uh, new release, Welcome to the Nightmare. Really fun band, uh, really found their own sound, unique. Uh, he had been in, shit, remember me, the name, out of Seattle. What's that band they Furious were in? Styles. Furious Styles. Um, they bounced a lot there, 07, 08, 09, somewhere in there. Uh, um, Madball style, and then some. 
And then, yeah, my number one, it, uh, I'm not going to say much more, God's hate, thick, big boy stuff, beefy, good politics with finish the job, fucking smash out those Nazis and, uh, and root out any of those white supremacists who think they got it better than anybody else. Um, that's my top 10 for 21. Um, cool year. Thanks to Josh for having this podcast on and uh, appreciate it. So when I started sending you guys all like asking you guys to all do top tens, I kind of cheated because I told you guys all you could do whatever you want and don't, don't make it all hardcore LPs. You can put whatever you want on there. I was like, I'm going to put this and that on there. And then I went and ended up doing uh, 10 hardcore LPs. I also have a list, which I'm going to put together for the, the Instagram or whatever of, of 10 rap albums too, which there you go. Um, Benny the Butcher uh, plugs I met too is definitely number one on that. And I also want to give honorable mention to three EPs that were released this year. Uh, uh, Rochester band Leaking Head released an album with or an EP with Don Fury. Um, that band's fucking awesome. I saw them play for the first time last month, and hopefully I'm going to see them again on New Year's Eve. Mm. Uh, Never Ending Game put out an EP called Halos and Wings, which is fucking hard. Ooh. And then, again, I've referenced this next band quite a bit lately because I found them recently, like a month or two ago, and the EP... I listen to it every couple of days. And, it, and again, it's, it's just really catchy. Uh, Koyo drives out East, which that's not really the kind of music I, I, I usually listen to, but that EP is just so catchy that I found myself listening to it all the time. All right. So top 10 LPs. Um, and again, this is like mostly either hardcore or um, I don't really use this term, but a lot of people do now uh, hardcore adjacent uh, bands. So uh, with that in mind, number 10 is one step closer. This place, you know, on run for cover records um i hadn't really checked this band out too much i kind of heard shit here and there and i decided to listen to this record and i think i'm gonna go back and listen to more of their stuff because it's uh maybe as i'm getting older i just have more of a soft spot for the more melodic stuff i don't know but but the album's really good um number nine you've talked about this band a few times uh scowl how flowers grow um i'm also really psyched to see where, where that band go, goes in the next couple of years because they're fucking good um the the chisel retaliation is my number eight um just a, a really good blend of hardcore and punk I, I had heard a lot of hype about that band and i ended up checking it out and I, I like it a lot too um number seven i might have a little local bias here but i'm going with uh stress across america now that album was actually recorded i'm pretty sure before 2021 but it was released in 2021 i'm guessing people listening to this podcast aren't very familiar with that band uh if you listen to my episode with uh building on fire it's a couple of guys from that band, but playing like something that sounds nothing like Billy on Fire. They're playing like what I would call kind of like lo-fi, like fast, fucking crazy hardcore that we all grew up on or my friends did anyways. But I, I really like that record and I, I you know, I, I think people should check it out for sure. Um, next up is Akulu, Unscrew My Head. Um, like I referenced earlier, it's, it's a lot of like later era Cro-Mags worship kind of going on there. Maybe even some of the AF crossover stuff on there, but uh, it's, it's, again, it's definitely worth the hype. Um, number five, dare against all odds on revelation. Um, this band is really fucking coming into their own. And um, honestly, I don't think I've seen any of these bands live that are in my top 10, but, but that's, that's probably one of the bands uh, that I really want to see live. That's of all these bands. Um, the top two, obviously I really want to see. Number number four, you had this on yours too. Uh, C four chaos streaks. That fucking album's a real ripper, just like you said. Um, number three, uh, while I haven't seen this band, I was at their show and just got there too late to see them play a few years ago. Uh, Warn, 
human work on from within records. Uh, again, like I was saying about stress, I uh, don't really sound like them, but it's still just that, that fast fucking crazy hardcore that I grew up on. Uh, but they have like some good breakdowns too. And then my number one and two are exactly the same as yours. Uh, I have number two section hate and number one, God's hate. Um, but like I was saying in the beginning, when I talked about them, it, it could be one A and one B for me because oh yeah, both those albums are phenomenal. Um, everything I've heard about God's Hate is that all their shows since that album have come out have just been fucking violent and just crazy like you would expect. Uh, so I definitely want to see them next year. I mean, we've all been watching the Section Hate videos that they've been of the crazy shows they've been doing. And say what you want about them doing that in the middle of a pandemic, you know, I... I I don't know if I would go to to shows like that right now with everything, but it'd be kind of hard to not, you know, because those those videos were just fucking nuts. Um, oh yeah. And while I do rank God's Hate a little higher, I will say that Section Hate oh. like, perfectly embodies like what I want out of a hardcore band, like like blistering fast parts, oh. fucking good breakdowns, and hard lyrics. So um, we'll we'll uh, we'll post all the top tens that everybody else uh, contributed. Uh, with the episode or next week um i don't want to say who i all asked yet because they haven't all sent theirs back yet so uh, i did get one from rob antonucci already though and i have uh two or three other people that i'm waiting on getting them back from and i might ask one more person so yeah that's uh you got a top 50 and you got two top 10s from us so you got a lot of uh a lot of lists on this episode all right i think that's gonna wrap up episode 50 uh i definitely want to thank jim for spending all the time putting this all together it's definitely been like we've been kind of referencing throughout the episode it's been a process like i said we're gonna we're gonna do some intros next year too um again i'm sure people are gonna disagree or 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 have you know things to say and that's fine um this is not like a be all end all like rolling stone top 50 type of deal or anything like that but it's um it's been fun so, like I said, I want to give a shout out to Jim, uh, anyone else who helped us with the top 50. Uh, as always, thanks to Greg Benoit for helping out with the podcast and Rob Antonucci. And thanks to my family for all the support. See everyone real soon and stay safe. <laughs>